dumpster thermos mm -hmm. that's been cleaned multiple times, mm -hmm. and then I put a slushy in it. Okay, that's Does fine. that make it a dumpster slushy? Uh, through the power of osmosis, yes, but it's not the way you had described it to me the first time where it was a thermos with a slushy in it by a dumpster. <laughs> and you said with your full chest and full confidence that you were... I was like, surprised. It was pretty good. Yeah, and I was just like, dead ass, just looked at you and like bought it because it's not out of pocket. <laughs> I've seen you eat things out of the trash before. We I don't know why this would be dove. different. Like yeah, we we had a whole true. scheme. I have never like I don't think I, I don't think I've ever like eaten something like a slushy out of a thermos mm. that I find at a dumpster though. That's that's a bit much. Putting a, a slushy in a thermos is kind of out of pocket to begin with. It keeps it cold. Also, yeah. Yeah, but you usually it comes in like oh, an insulated cup. No, it was a smoothie. It was a smoothie. Okay. That's a little better. I say when there's almost no way to buy a slushy that doesn't already come in an insulated cup. So you're just moving it to if a different. Have, like I'm a, here for you, you bring in your own reuse. Thermos, yeah. yeah you have your own use, reuse and thermos. it's a 16 ounce cup. It, I think it depends replace. on the cashier. Those mm -hmm. gas station cashiers have like what are they gonna do? Pretty rough times. Um, yeah. Yeah. We once got yelled at. That's um, dumb. When they did the bring any size cup, mm -hmm. uh, slushy day, and did me, you bring a big gulp? me, no, me, rats and tuna went to KFC, and we got some buckets, <laughs> and then we filled KFC buckets with slushy, and the cash register worker was just so fucking pissed, <laughs> and just the three of us, there's no way to deal with just yeah. looking at us, they're just like. Three dollars. <laughs> I don't think we finished one of them. They no got way. they got thrown off a hot the bridge onto the highway. Oh my god! Sounds about it. You guys threw so many like frozen treats. Yeah, over the course of places. our cohabitation. That's part of our friendship. <laughs> well, mine doesn't involve any of that. Okay. Did you at least get to drink some James Browns beforehand? No, that's too bad. This was this morning. You didn't drink a James Brown this morning? No. That sucks. <laughs> I guess. The fuck did you do this morning? I took the dogs on a walk. Uh-huh. And I made some eggs because mm -hmm. I don't want to spend money on fast food. Okay, that's valid. But on the dog walk, mm -hmm. Nix is pooping. I should do. I'm like, all right, Nix, yeah, get your pooping. Mm -hmm. I'm like petting Nago. Nix uh, is done pooping. Mm -hmm. I get a bag. I go to pick up her poop, and I feel Nago like pulling a whole bunch. And then Nix kind of goes... Uh, uh, mm -hmm. and i'm like uh what and i look over and there's something walking across the field it's not that far away mm -hmm. it's only maybe like 50 or 60 feet probably less um it's walking across the field looks like a dog i'm like oh a dog a loose dog i should be aware of this mm -hmm. and as it gets closer i realize it's a fucking coyote oh yeah i even like stopped and like googled coyote and looked at a picture and looked at it and by that time, it was like walking into the woods near the mm -hmm. house. Like it's a tiny little woods woodsy yeah. area. Not not enough to support life, I wouldn't think. So yeah, just saw a fucking coyote walking in the middle of the city. I live like ten minutes from downtown. Yeah, coyotes be doing that though. Yeah, I, think I have we... never seen a coyote in in the city. I've seen mm. them right outside the city in like Greenwood and shit. We also uh, have one of the largest green spaces in like a major city for yeah. how big Indianapolis well, is. Well, right, but I'm how far away from Eagle Creek? Yeah. Well, I'm not talking even talking about Eagle Creek. Where are you talking? There's about? also the entire Arts Park, which is closer by you. Right. That's yeah. still really far. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of like little parks on our side yeah. of the city, so like I'm not entirely surprised. I am. It made um, my brain kind of restart. But I've also seen somebody just whole ass own an emu on like in our neighborhood, like just chilling in the front lawn. The thankfully the fence is high enough to keep the emu contained. Yeah, that's dangerous. But yeah, I just 
I got really turned around trying to find a friend's house in one of those like weird suburban outlet-y things. Mm-hmm. And so I parked the car to like recalibrate my Google map because it just kept making me go around in circles. And as I'm like swishing my phone around to recalibrate the GPS, I look up and I make eye contact with a fucking emu that's like Kilroyd over the top of this fence, <laughs> just looking at me with murder and death intent. And I was just like, I'll kill you. I, I, I well, I was that. like, it was the closest I've ever had to a Jurassic Park moment of just being glad that I was in a vehicle and just was <laughs> like, uh, because I have no plans on what to do with the emu other than die. People have weird little farms around here. Yeah. Also, I think, Sarah, you are proof that the Scottish mind cannot comprehend a suburb. <laughs> you're not wrong. Like, every time you have to go somewhere in, like, the city or, like, a rural area, you're fine. But anywhere in between, and you're just like, what the fuck? Why is this street round? Where are we going? <laughs> None of it this curved makes again. Sense. Where the fuck? How many cul-de-sacs do you need? <laughs> Nothing is labeled. The housing numbers don't make sense. Look, I'm from a country where at least the houses, the street starts on one side. That first house is one. And then it goes two, three, four, five, six. And then and the every... village is over. I know. Yeah. yeah. So and... like, you don't. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's just, it's just, I don't know. The amount of I've been in the States and people are like, oh yeah, no, the roads are laid out so logically here. And we have grids and the enlightenment and things. And I'm like. The fuck you do? What the? What in the redneck, like, yeehaw bullshit logic well, we is that? We also live in Indiana, where we're like, we got grids, but they're also diagonal. <laughs> well, okay, downtown Indianapolis was designed by a Freemason, so there's a lot of safe geometry, so if you're into yeah. occult spooky shit, it's fantastic. But we're in the part of the U.S. where a lot of shit is still based on, like, rivers and deer trails from, like, ancient times. Mm. But we don't acknowledge it because, you know, we're just like, well, there there were natives. Anyway, so the French and Indian Wars. <laughs> Just skip over all that shit. Because, you know, the crimes. Yeah. <laughs> Is this how we're starting? Okay, I guess so. Hi, and welcome to Blank Bodies, a Vampire the Masquerade V5 tabletop and horror podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, and as always, I'm joined by... John. John the Coyote Whisperer. And uh, I'm Sarah. I don't do suburbs. <laughs> My brain refuses to comprehend them. It's like an eldritch abomination in the state of Ohio. I just refuse to like actually process both of those in Does my brain. I'll be there. I will acknowledge I've been there and exist and traveled yeah. through those spaces. But we, we do need to venture Ugh. into the world of Ohio and Why? Go, to, go to other worlds. Oh, yeah. No, that makes sense. It does. Which is... Like a cool art thing. Speaking of cool art things, hi, welcome to the Toreador Part 2 Deep Dive. Boom, boom, boom. Ba-dum, ba-dum. Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. So the way this works is we have been forced, because Elon Musk is an asshole, uh, to limit the blood sports between the clans to just our patrons. So thank you guys for supporting us and helping us make choices on things. Uh, the voting has yeah. been done. We are doing the Toreador. This is uh, part two. Part two. First part. If you're interested in learning about like the clans, vibes, culture, uh, cool things that you can do with them in V5. First episode. This episode is uh, the clan history, major events, NPCs of note, and clan specific lore sheets. Yeehaw. So this is the nerdy er script. This is the one where you should probably get a pen and pencil and take notes and push your glasses up your nose. Okay, I I need you all to understand. I put I I threw my whole bussy into this because the Toreador fucking love to talk. We have a lot to say. It's yeah, important. and reading their histories is fascinating. There's a lot of good information. If you're looking for fucking plot hooks as a storyteller, just grab any of 
the Toreador talking about the history of like vampire dumb. And there's just rife with like interesting nuggets of info. Trying to get a goddamn cohesive timeline. I kind of understand why Beckett's insane. Well, you see, <laughs> when you live forever, time just doesn't like really matter so much. So you can kind of swish it around how you like. Yeah, yeah, that it do be doing that. There's, there's also that thing where it's like, uh, when they're interviewing like witnesses to crimes, like if you don't interview someone within an hour, like their testimony is almost worthless just because mm-hmm. their brain just fills in and changes things. Now, like multiply that by like a thousand couple hundred years yeah something like that and yeah i had i had a fun personal experience with that uh because i had to uh testify about a murder but that can be a behind the scenes conversation later uh <laughs> can't uh, believe you would do that speaking of that content warning uh, talk to the cops i was gonna say murder but you know i oh. didn't i didn't murder i just saw it um i remember that yeah it was it was a spooky christmas um so content warning speaking of uh, <laughs> uh, romance, war, harm to children, partner abuse, cults, religious psychopathy, slavery, xenophobia, and arranged marriages. So if you don't want to deal with any of that, feel free to skip. You have been warned. Uh, sources for this episode include the V5 Core book, the Camarilla book, the Clan Toreador book, Clan Toreador book revised, Lord of the Clans, Lord of the Bloodlines, Cult of the Blood Gods, the VTM 20th Anniversary, The Veil of Night, Libus Sanguinis 2, Keepers of the World. Veil of Night, the V5 Player's Guide, the V5 Companion, Guide of the Sabbat, Mind's Eye Theater, Vampire the Masquerade, Guidebook, Road of Humanity, Venture Revised, Constantinople by Night, Children of the Night, France by Night, Zamitzi Clan Book, Beckett's Jihad Diary, and Guide to the Camarilla. Yeehaw! Fuck! I like that the Zamitzi Clan Book was mentioned in there. Yeah, it gets... This clan is very horny. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, uh, if uh, understanding that a good chunk of the the clans to do it involves like, well, I was fucking this guy, and then things happened. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Toriador. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. So, starting as we do, I did accidentally delete a note, but uh, just a quick briefing. Toreador does come from the Spanish for bullfighter. Oh, all right. This will get com- This will get to confirmation and more info as we go. Nice. What's, what's that old song? Toreadora, don't spit on the floor. Use a cuspidor. That's what it's for. Like the bullfighting song. Oh, you're right. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's fine. <laughs> huh. So, starting off, who started this clan? Uh, the... Clan founder is known as Arikel, either the sculptor or the bullfighter. Why not both? Could be both. I don't see why not. So there is a couple of different versions of the story. I I just picked two to keep my brain in order. There's more. There are many. There. Are, mm-hmm, yes. So one version of this is referred to as the unbroken line. So in ancient times. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, Cain was particularly sad. Apparently, he was a sad boy. So he'd gone off to wander in the deserts to be a sad boy. Was this like, he's always a sad boy. So yeah. was he just going through it even by sad boy standards? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why he was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go into the desert. Yeah, yeah, I need some, uh, I need to walk this lonely road. The only one I've ever known. Yeah. Okay. One of those moments. Uh, <laughs> and uh, while he was wandering around, he ran into a a, a traveling tribe. And amongst this tribe, they found he found a kid. That he thought was, quote unquote, particularly beautiful. This was a child. A child. Like a baby kid. I don't like well, that. Well, child could be 
prepubescent through a teenager, it is left vague. They right. just said child. That's gross. Yeah. So Cain just plucked this child up and brought him back to Enoch, raised him, and then embraced him, becoming, quote unquote, the first child. The first child. Yeah. So supposedly the first thing Cain ever embraced was just some kitty groomed. Rough. Rough. We're starting off rough, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. Just. Mm. It goes from here. It goes from here. Worse? Uh, well, kind of. Uh... Uh... <laughs> We're literally starting off on the darkest timeline. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, homies, there's a reason that Toriador are problematic. Yep. They should address their, their issues, mm -hmm. but they come from a rough spot. <laughs> yes. So this vampire becomes the prince of the first city. The flood eventually happens. The second city is made. Uh, unfortunately, the first child also gets the big sad and is also a lonely bitch. Mm. And embraces a set of twins named Malkov and Arakel. Oh. Yeah. So Arakel was a talented sculptor and was given everything she could ever want or need to pursue her passions, was kind of like favorite daughter, baby girl, little sister syndrome mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Uh, the twins were forbidden from doing the embrace. Arakel also becomes sad and depressed and decides that she wants a friend. Mm. So she embraces a lover. To avoid punishment for breaking dad's rules... Uh, she convinces Troil, who is the Bruja progenitor, to slay his sire, and then the rest of the third generation to follow suit. Whoa. So, I don't want to get in trouble. Kill all of them. It's just like, hey, by the way. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to get in trouble. I've, I cause another problem. They won't notice the fuckery I did. Yeah. So yeah. we have yet another um, theory on what started the generation war. Yep. Yep. This is potentially one of the first reasons. This must started the first uh, intergenerational split. Huh. combat thing yep it is said that during this uh first major intergenerational war uh the first child escaped into the desert thus leaving us with cain the first child and then eric hill and so on floating around to this day so technically torridor could be one of the few clans that has an unbroken line straight to cain damn which is spooky yeah yeah a little, little note of fun so before the uprising of the antediluvians eric hill and troil uh actually worked together uh, they were both bothered by the behavior of various vampires in the first city. They're just like, you guys are too too crazy, too wild. You guys are being monsters. Mm -hmm. We don't like it. So they spoke to Saulot, because that's apparently what everybody does. They have a problem. They go to Saulot and be like, hey, bro, you're the therapy friend. Shouldn't you just like <laughs> not go to Saulot? They didn't know yet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no one knew. They're just like, Saulot's cool. And this is before he fucked off to go get the third eye. So yeah. I guess he might have been cool then. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, Salat suggested that empathy was the major link to humanity. So Troil and Eric Hill worked together at a piece of art to showcase this uh, thought or philosophy for a hundred years. Wow. And then they presented this cool piece of art to Cain and the city, but mostly to Cain. Uh, it moved the public so deeply, as well as Cain, that uh, Cain uh, basically was inspired to forgive Troil and Eric Hill for any of their like misdeeds and like fuckeries they've done, which gives us the path of humanity, which is like an uh the the main uh, uh morals system that we have in the game. So the path oh. of humanity is essentially what every default vampire is on. Yes. So it's not a separate path. That is what like the default for the game. Yeah, is. and there's like some interesting old world uh things for like the road of humanity from like dark ages and stuff. We don't have time to talk about that right now. Everybody take a shot and. <laughs> 
That will be a whole other episode later. We haven't even done a Dark Ages episode yet. No, so. we, uh, it's, it's in the to queue. To the list. It's in the queue. So, yeah, and this was also part of the the story of, like, why the Bruja and the Toreador tend to be the more humane or human adjacent of the two, cl- of the, the clans. Because mm. they were the ones that were just like, hey, I, I care about being a people. And Cain went, good job, pat pat. Yeah. I like this. You're the only children I'm proud of. Ah. <laughs> Wrong son died. <laughs> and then they started an intergenerational vampire war. Yep. Yep. Well, that was after. Yeah, that's why I said and then. And then, because that's how time I'm works. proud of you. Let's kill him. <laughs> oh. Yup. Uh, so the other kind of fun yeah. note of lore is Eric Hill and Abs Millard were lovers. Abs Millard. Uh, Abs Millard. That's the Nosferatu. Oh, uh, that's right. Uh, antediluvian. That was before. He never got ugly. He just always thought he got ugly. Yeah. So apparently they okay. shared crypts and were also like deeply blood bound to each other because they were doing the vampire sex of biting each other, drinking each other's blood constantly. Ooh. Okay. Very kinky. Yeah. Yes. So Abs Millard obviously uh, couldn't handle the fact that he got smacked in the face by Gangrel and had a mark and a scar and was just like, mm, I don't, uh, I got the narcissism issues. And he's like, no, you can't. Uh, nah. But Eric Hill was like, hey, I clearly love and respect you and all of you, including that scar on your face. So, like, it doesn't matter. Chill out, bro. He did not chill out. He frenzied and freaked out and killed a fuckload of mortals. Yeah, I remember this, I think. Yeah, and uh, it goes a little bit more intense as well. Uh, so, basically, he had a panic freak out because uh, he deemed himself as not perfectly beautiful because he had the scar. And the fact that Erica like, acknowledged it just made it real for him. So he had to confront it. And his way of confronting it was slaughtering a lot of people and then hacking at his own face. And basically just being like, well, if I can't be perfect, I'm going to be the most perfect monster ever mm. and be super fucked up. But he's uh, a vampire. So yeah, then so when he wakes up, it's just fine. Yeah. If he feeds, yeah. So it's just a constant cycle of just like self- self-harm harm and then externalizing harm. and Right. Yeah. So the externalizing Brutal. of the harm... Uh, turned into him lashing out uh, at Eric Hill and, like, all of her progeny. Huh. Like, their mutual blood bond kept him from killing her, but he was just like, doesn't stop me from fucking your shit up. And kind of just instilling this weird love-hatred thing within his bloodline as well. Is that kind of why Nosferatu and Toreador are, are always kind of con- at contentious? odds? Like, they, it seems like a lot of the time they, they're like, I want to be your friend, but also, like, mm, Go fuck yourself. get the fuck away from me. yeah. Yeah, this is potentially part of that problem. So the rumor is that uh, Eric Hill and Abs Millard broke their mutual blood bond uh, sometime in the second century in Rome. But supposedly they still care about each other. So they technically haven't murdered each other yet. But they're still like kind of doing that ex-butting head things where you're just like, guys, could you please just fuck? (laughs) Please, please fuck or stop talking. Fuck or just move to the other side of the world and yeah. Yeah, go to your ice fortress. Right. And, and just give her back her records. There you go. You're done. <laughs> you don't have to do this anymore. Think about what other things you could be doing. You have literally all of forever. But yes. That's uh, the problem. Right? <laughs> that is part of the problem. So uh, the other version of this is re- I'm referring to her as Ishtar and the Clan of Blossoms. Aww. Strap in, everyone. <laughs> so, oh, should I not have odd? No, you should have odd. Okay. Um, I started very, uh, and then got, like, more pleasant. Okay, cool. So, 
<laughs> so this tale will begin within the first city, Ubar, that was ruled by Cain. So now there's a whole other city getting name dropped, and everyone's just like, what the fuck? Wait, the first city, Ubar, and then there's the first city? Oh, no, this is the first city. Okay, now Ubar. it's Ubar. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so sometimes the first city is Enoch, sometimes the first city is Ubar. Sometimes no one knows the name. Yep. Hi, welcome to Unrelative Narrator. Blech. Unreliable Narrators. Oh my god, words. I had a stroke. I'm so sorry. I trust the Toreador. It's probably Ubar. <laughs> Well, in the other Toreador story, it was Enoch, though. Well, in that one, it's probably Enoch. Mm. Oh, I see. I see. So, uh, Cain, in the city of Ubar, embraced two lovers in hopes of maybe making amends for his previous sins, where he's like, ah, if I preserve this like perfect love and union, maybe, maybe I can make the world less suck. He does not. That's when he learned don't do that. Yeah, that's when he learned don't do that because the the pair were very upset about the fact that they could not birth a child and form like a perfect union of their souls and flesh. They just together? Well, they're just like, well, we can't have a kid like like normal, like make a baby because, you know, that's where we love each other so much and we want to like have a family. Mm -hmm. We now can't do that because we're vampires. So they went to go see the sun. Ah. Yeah. Which is why Cain's like, yeah, don't don't embrace don't embrace love. Yeah, that goes badly. Do not do that. Maybe you know, feed let At them least, just have a kid first. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let them have the kid, then embrace them right after they raise the kid, mm -hmm. and then when the kid's old enough to be embraced, they can be like, hey, you want to live forever? And then boom, they have a kid. Yeah, because that never ends poorly. It it end better than this situation, right? Did, though. Maybe. Yeah, that's potentially probably not. Can. Or sorry, Kane's uh, mistakes are usually. I did something very wrong once. Never attempted again. Never. <laughs> no no if, baby steps. Like, yeah. Make sure people they're cool with you doing this to them first. It's just like I did it once. It was a bad time. No one will ever do it again. <laughs> Look, if I can't do it, no one else no can. One can. Love Clearly. is outlawed. I saw it go bad once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Thanks, Kane. Thanks, Kane. You could just go to therapy, Always but, you know. Always looking out, I yep. guess. <laughs> so this uh, unfortunate series of events super upsets Kane because everything does eventually. And he forbids anyone to mention the name of the lovers and swears to never embrace again. Then he embraces Zilia, Irad, and Enosh out of loneliness. Womp womp. Womp womp. This potentially sets up the entire Uriel Jihad curse. So it's like, he could have been chill if he just, like, didn't swear an oath to never embrace again and be sad about the grievances he did and then just be like, well, but I want friends. <laughs> like, with I'll never <laughs> embrace again after I make some friends. <laughs> right. It's just like, he doesn't even, like, follow his own rules and lessons. And maybe that's why God's like, can't stop it. No, it's like I said earlier, he's a very absolutist. He's like, that went bad. Never again. And then he's like, but maybe I will embrace, like, five people immediately. Right. <laughs> And yeah. they'll all be cursed, and so I can never do that again, ever. None of you can do the thing. Only I can do the thing. <laughs> and then everything just goes tits up. Yeah. Yeah. So Ishtar was born in the city of Ubar and was a skilled bull dancer. That's kind of how it's referred to. A bull dancer. Is this like a bullfighter? Or I, is this someone who yeah, basically the bull my... is doing the what bulls do, like bucking mm -hmm. around doing his thing, and he's dancing on top of I it. I assume yeah. you just don't stab the bull when you're dancing. Yeah. Like a bullfighter, they get all the spears and shit. It kind of sucks. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever seen those like ancient Etruscan like wall mosaics of people like doing backflips off the bulls and like dancing around them while the bull's like running around and doing bull things. No. Yeah. It's really cool. 
I feel like that'd be a cooler thing to watch than an actual bullfight. Yeah, so that's my that's my understanding. The bull dance is you're not the goal is not to kill the bull. It's like a performance thing. Um, the bullfighting, while it is a performance thing, you are stabbing the bull, and I think at the end the bull gets like grilled. I think is so. my understanding. Okay, at least I mean at least you eat it, but mm-hmm. you still. do torture it first before, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. why I'm like bullfighting. Mm. But the outfits are snazzy. I do they're enjoy very that. snazzy. I hear they're incredibly heavy too. Yeah, yeah, because they're, they're almost like armor. it's like silk and then hand sewed like glass beads and crazy yeah. shit. Yeah, but, I mean and layers some, on top of layers on top of layers. Some of it's padding. Like you're, if you get gored, you're gored. But like if you take a hit off like the skull or its right. thigh, it's not gonna like as fuck you up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. So you're mostly avoiding the actual horns instead of like the hole. Right. You can you, like, you can take a shoulder, but you're not gonna. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it is noted what that What band is that that has oh. they they use the uh the picture of the matador getting gored through the jaw and it's uh, out of his mouth? Propagandi. Was it Propagandi? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Propagandi. Can't remember which album that is, but I think that's one of their later ones. I think that's a really metal sounding one. It's mm-hmm. a good album cover. Hell yeah. But uh yeah, Ishtar uh did bull dancing and it was noted she's embraced by Enosh the Wise. So that technically that's her sire so that's now cool. we now we have a different the first compared to the other story so so this <laughs> so awesome yeah it's because there's zillia the beautiful Irad the strong and enosh the wise so right. yeah so after the uprising of the third generation eating the second kane returned from his sad boy wanderings of the desert as he's wont to do and was pissed and cursed all of the antediluvians except for erikel since apparently she did not take part in this all right uh, and this means she was able to keep her desire and joy of beauty. Mm, so that's where the Toreador come in. Mm-hmm. I um, like to, right now, kind of squish these together. And she didn't commit any of the murders, but she totally convinced everybody else to commit all the murders. She may have. This accounting didn't say that. Now, to be fair, the, the accounting I pulled this from in the Torador Revised is from a very specific viewpoint that is fantastic to read, but the person who is giving this is like the epitome of just bitchy, xenophobic European lady. Mm, yeah. If this second story is true, mm-hmm. then that means that none of the antediluvians or any of those people were the first because the first were the lovers who died. Yep. So there yeah. is no first anymore. Yeah. Or second. Yeah, there's some confusion about that in the text because the lady who's given the account accounts for that. And then Carmelita Nilsson's like, but wait, they would still be of the same generation. It's just the ones of that generation died. And then there's other ones. And the other ones are like, no, 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 there's no more of the first. Cause they're dead. Mm. And yeah, it's just one of those. It's like, uh, I empathize with Carmelita Nielsen so much more yeah. than I did before I started this process. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Um, yeah. So Kane doesn't punish the favorite baby. And then he tells her to fuck off because he's like, yeah, so by the way, all your brothers and sisters are going to be super pissed off. I'm not going to protect you. You need to go. <laughs> like, get on. Get, get on. They're going to be pissed. They're going to murder the shit out of Sorry. you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so she fucks off to the city of Sumer, of Sumeria, mm-hmm. uh, where she becomes worshipped as the goddess Ishtar. Oh. Okay. Uh, you know, the goddess of love and beauty and like some witchcraft stuff. It's some cool history stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, Ishtar embraces a lover that she has there named Tammuz. Uh, everything is chill. And then it was not. Because Enkidu slash Anoya comes to Sumer and is like, you, I'm coming for that ass. Hell yeah. But, like, the not return a, of Enkidu. Yeah, but not in that like cool, like potentially lesbian, but might be a dude. The 
It's very annoying. <laughs> it's very annoying because in this one, this account, they're very insistent that Enkidu is a man and he's come to do harm to Eriko. And it's very like, but literally every other description of Anoya is female. So here we are. <laughs> Wait, Enkidu and Anoya are the same person? Yes. This is so confusing. I, Why does everybody have to have six names? <laughs> because time. <laughs> and also sometimes they do get different names Mm-hmm. from different locations yeah like different cultures will have different ways of saying the name or people just yeah, be like well i'm bored with this name i'm going to be this now yeah that's fair it's yeah. kind of how like Arakel becoming ishtar when they go to a whole nother country well no no in this sort of story ishtar has been ishtar the whole time oh okay i yeah. see what you're saying Arakel is a name they pick up later as like a moniker Oh, okay. So, so it's the other way around. Gotcha. Yeah. In this case, if this is the story that's true and you're going with it. Oh, I was still reading this as the same timeline. I got gotcha. uh, Yeah, sorry I for confusion. It. No, but I caught so it. So Inkidu shows up, uh, genderly ambiguous, totally not a lady, Inkidu. Showed up and has the Tablet of Destiny. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, and they use it as a weapon in this conflict. It is left extraordinarily vague what the fuck the Tablet of Destiny is. Just swings it at him. If you read the the Fable of Gilgamesh, ta- uh, that's where the Tablet of Destiny is mentioned. It's also left extraordinarily vague in the original epic. So in the lore, uh, the Tablet of Destiny could be the first copy of the Book of Nod ever. It could be a grimoire with Enosh's uh, blood magic and discipline powers. Could be a record predicting the fate of every single vampire until the time of the Thin Blood. It could also just be a law book. We don't fucking know. No clue. You could make this a whole new uh, item for make a whole plot around it. You, you really could. If you want to Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark this, fucking do cool. it. That'd be pretty sick. I, I have really like the seat. idea of some, when they say use it as a weapon, that they just like swung it at him. Just tried to beat Eric to yeah. death with a law book. <laughs> a law book. <laughs> I said like you could do like a bloodlines where it's like, Rumor is someone in Atlanta has the Tablet of Destiny, mm-hmm. and we don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Go find it. Everyone high up in the tower is just arguing about it, we, so we can't tell you what it is. But you need to get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, lowly new vamps or mid-tier that we can still boss around. <laughs> Hello, neonate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were embraced yesterday. I need you to go track down a mummy. <laughs> uh, it's the worst. So... Fight ensues because, you know, Enkidu slash Anoya is like, hey, so your dad's favorite and you convinced us to do this dumb thing and now I'm fucked up and all of her siblings are fucked up. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> why'd, you, why'd you snitch? Had it coming, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's kind of left unclear if other antediluvians were with them or if Enkidu had made Childer to help in this conflict, but there's a big skirmish. Uh, Ishtar uh, tries to turn to King Gilgamesh for help to be like, hey, dude, you're in charge of this kingdom. Like, y- you got my back. He did not have her back. Oh. Because he was already embraced by Enkidu. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's just like, yeah, I. it's cool that you're, inv- like, offering me this embrace to, like, be hot and, like, fast. But uh, I got these really cool claws now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and she just showed up and was like, fuck. Luckily, I'm fast. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I'm fast as fuck. Uh, which is good because, uh, with everybody turning against her to attack, uh, Ishar is only able to flee the situation because her lover Tammuz sacrifices himself. Oh. So she can flee. Big romantic moment. Big sad. Real cute. 
Mm-hmm. Um, is this like a jumps in front of the bullet sacrifice, or is this like a Boromir sacrifice? What I think we, it's more of a here? Boromir or uh fucking Boromir or uh tank in the Matrix. Tank in the Matrix. That's a good one. I kind of take it or, as like uh oh, you're here for Ishtar. Well, I guess it's just me, mm-hmm. so you'll have to deal with me first. Kind oh God, of situation. I'm for- I feel so bad because I fucking love Dune, but I'm forgetting the name of the ca- the character, the commander that stands in the hallway to like block the incoming forces so that Paul and his mom can get away. Oh yeah, I don't remember. I- I'm I feel so bad. I'm spacing on it right now, but I'm very sleep deprived. So That's okay. please forgive me, internet. So as she is fleeing and listening to the screams of her lover dying in the background, uh, Ishtar releases what is called the Bull of Heaven to cause a distraction. It is left extraordinarily vague whether this is a magical being, like a fae thing or a, like a lupine thing, or if this is just a bull that she's been ghouling and just got super souped up on Methuselah juice. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That's no idea. <laughs> it's I, one of those. I like the idea. Personally, I like the idea more for like, that's a badass story if it's like a weird fae thing. Mm-hmm. Um but the idea of it just being like a Methuselah cracked up horse, or a, a <laughs> cracked bull, up bull. Like, <laughs> it's like she made perfect. an animal companion, and then she's like, "I'm sorry, buddy." Gives a little kiss on the forehead, and then just like loses <laughs> it, smacks its butt, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then just runs to uh, Crete. Crete, yes. Mm. Uh, this is where like those Etruscan mosaics of people like doing the bull dancing mm. kind of kicks in. Mm-hmm. So she settles here, does embraces, teaches people uh, art and culture and things. This particular account has kind of a weird habit of saying things in a way where it sounds like the Toreador show up in places and then give people enlightenment and culture repeatedly. Mm. And it's a little icky. Yeah. Kind of something that we've mentioned being a problem with some of the the side clans we still have to cover. But. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's also, you know, the the constant just like, ah, oh, yes, we've we've come to give education and uh, civilization to these savages. And it's like, I don't I think they were already doing a civilization. You just showed up and maybe showed them other stuff. You could have said that right. better. You could have said that better. <laughs> you could have had better thoughts about this. So. I tried to avoid that verbiage in the script, but that's how it is in the text. So I can't get around to that. But it's also an in-character giving their account of things. And it's like, yeah, sometimes people have just shitty ways of describing history. Hooray. So uh, whilst in Crete, uh, Ishtar befriends King Minos. And King Minos is like, hey, hey, baby girl, I see you keep doing these embraces. Can I also have an embrace? (laughs) I am the king, by the I way. I am the king. Look at this hat. <laughs> and she goes, nah, fam, that's not a good idea. Especially because, you know, embracing leadership and nobility, kind of putting the monster beast in your head's a bad idea. Yeah. And he argues with her about this, and then she they, they uh, compromise down to, okay, I'll embrace your son. Huh. So and the he, next king. Yes. And uh, that does not go well. Of course not. He immediately spirals down the humanity train. Oh, and uh, falls to his beast like almost immediately. And this makes Minos very the big sad because the son is not dead fully, but is like super fucked up. Right. Potentially a white. Mm. Who knows? He's gone mad and Dang become it, monstrous. Just like a, that's kind of a plot thing in a lot of things. What's that movie? Kid's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And like, I think dad finds it and is like, what have you done? Now Dexter. we gotta clean this up. Dexter. Was it Dexter? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and... Well, I don't want to do spoilers, so we'll just stick with Dexter. Yeah, Dexter's like the big pop culture one, but there's several stories where a parent's like, oh, my child is fucked up. Um, 
oh god what was the one with the doll and the kid lives in the walls there's a horror movie franchise where it starts off really stupid and then the bad guy's in the walls and then the internet's been lusting after him because they're like it's a hot guy in the walls wearing a mask i it's weird I do not know. Uh, I'll think about it later. But uh, yeah, so having the big sad about his son being a mindless monster, uh, but he can't bring himself to kill his own child. He creates a big lightless maze to chuck his son into, and then he just keeps chucking people into to feed him. Huh, okay. Thus creating rumors of a minotaur. That's kind of neat. That's kind of cool. I will also note, I'm pretty sure there is an actual minotaur in mm, fey probably so i think you can i think that's one of the like extra kin types you can be i'll have to look i wouldn't be surprised but this could also be a simultaneous like minotaurs exist, exist and then People our popular culture understanding of a minotaur is actually just a fucked up torador vampire that's gone insane just kept in a maze because his dad's weird we did the two locking them away in a lightless mage clans in a row didn't we <laughs> yeah we did <laughs> So uh, this vampire was slain by the mortal Theseus and seems to be the earliest recorded case of a mortal killing a vampire. Huh. So it was the first time a, a mortal was just like strapped up and was like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna kill it. And they did it. So was this before or after the boat? Which boat? The ship of Theseus. He, this is literally him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> did he slay it before or I after? don't remember if he slayed the Minotaur before or after the boat. I think the boat is late. I think. I think the ship of Theseus thing is just a thought experiment. What if that's fair? It, I think it what should if exist. The boat is always. Mm -hmm. yeah. What if the boat was there in the beginning, and the boat was also there with the Minotaur, and then the boat was also well, there later? The thought experiment is: if you have a boat and you keep replacing parts and wood on the boat, oh, at right. what point does the boat not be the boat anymore? Mm -hmm. But it's his boat, so maybe yeah. he has more than maybe he's had it for a while and just has been replacing parts. So Ishtar moves to Mycenae. <laughs> Uh, and at which point she drops off the, the historical record. For those who need the heads up, Mycenae is in Greece. So still in Greece, floating around, and then just kind of blah, blah, drops off that we don't know what. Poof. Technically don't know what happened. That's about the era where a lot of them start dropping off yeah. from history. So uh, there are scholars in the Middle Ages that insist that Erkel, the sculptor, was definitely and decidedly male. Okay. So all of this, like, Ishtar thing is pish posh and... Uh, Ishtar and uh, Ishtar did not exist. It was Erkel who is a man who was a sculptor because men understand art and this is serious business. Because Middle Ages, right? So again, just more <laughs> conflicting history to confuse everyone. Yep, exactly. Uh, so in the in the category of is this Antiluvian live or dead, we have two major options, which is option one: uh, they were killed during the Knights of Enoch. Uh, during the uh, the the antediluvian uprisings by Absimillard and Set, and it is said that they ripped her heart out and ate it. Whoa. Option two: they are still alive and potentially just dicking around in Greece. Absimillard still wants to kill her, though. <laughs> like it's still on the list. It's like I'm gonna kill this one bitch who rejected me, and I'm gonna kill this other bitch that rejected me. <laughs> fucking ugh, God, I love the Nosferatu as a clan, but they were fucking antediluvian. Is just. He has, like, nothing to do with the rest of the clan, it seems. Like, the more history we learn, like, the rest of his clan is nothing like that. Yeah, the rest of his clan is just like, man, could you please chill? And he's like, no! I gotta kill him! This fat, ugly bitch needs to know <laughs> that I'm in charge! And I was like, buddy, fucking therapy. Right. <laughs> Get, calm the fuck down! <laughs> just take three deep breaths. Yeah, I, I, I do, I know this is the Toreador episode, but I do really love that every other clan's, like, founder is, like, you know, like, a pillar 
version of what that clan is. Like they they reflect each other. Mm-hmm. And then there's just Nosferatu out there. <laughs> he's just like <laughs> he just running around causing. He's havoc. basically a Toreador. Like he's who I would have guessed the Toreador antediluvian was been. if you described them all to me. I'd been like, oh, yeah, it's him. But no, yeah. but no, <laughs> no, he's the one who wants to kill the Toreador, which also makes sense. Yeah, the Toreador <laughs> ones apparently is just like doing a lot of like trying to be good, but also does a sneaky like, oh me. I, I wouldn't cause I a problem. Never. I didn't get bored and decide to kill everybody in the city. Well, convince <sighs> you to do it. Well, it's like, I didn't fuck up and then go, fuck, fuck, fuck. How do I deflect, deflect? Hold on. I, uh, sh- you do it. <laughs> it's just like, the, it's very a sibling thing to do where you fuck up and then you're just like, convince your other sibling to do something and then they're just like left holding the bag and going, what? <laughs> How? <laughs> ah. Hold on. So I guess it's kind of fortuitous that our script episodes went Nosferatu Toreador and it's going to end with Bruja for this kind of little timeline descriptor. If I know what we're covering majorly in the Bruja, yes, absolutely. It'll be fantastic. So major events for the clan in the ancient world, because of course, uh, Athens was a major hub for the clan Toreador, uh, being such a center of arts and culture that they even pulled in the Fae and mages to their cause of enlightenment. And, you know, that's cool. Yeah, which seems kind of cool and relaxed and groovy. Yeah. Kind of enjoy that. Uh, Like, they had, like, fountains and math and theater and all sorts of cool shit. Uh, The Venture and the La Sombra were not keen on this. They were mostly in Sparta. And this feud, supposedly, was a big part of the Peloponnesian Wars. Where Sparta came over and just went, no. What? I don't know. I feel like La Sombra, I can give a little bit of slack to. They go through a lot and they just never stop going through a lot. Yeah. Why do Ventru just feel like they have to fuck everything up? I don't know if they're, yeah, I, they don't they're think like, they're, they, they got these art and culture and they're like peaceful. And yeah, they're but they blah, blah, don't blah. have money or power right. <laughs> and I could turn them into money and power. Yeah. Why do they do this? It's like, guys. <sighs> But you're not marketing those correctly. Right. That's where the venture come in. They're just like, yeah, but the tactics. It's like, yeah, 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 that looks really cool and all that, but like, but the tax structure. Right. <laughs> That's no. Just, the, Go away. Very scary alliance of the Ventru and La Sombra. Yeah. Horrifying. A- ancient Ventru and ancient La Sombra. Yeah. Horrifying, but like in the best way, but terrifying. I, yeah. I'm just like, oh God, if the La Sombra and the Ventru are on the same page, like y'all are fucked. Even with mages on your side. Mm-hmm. It's like Even with mages. It's rough. <laughs> bad, bad news bears. So after the Peloponnesian Wars, uh, this was also followed with further invasions from the Macedonians, which is where like Alexander the Great comes from, uh, with Bruja and Ventru backing. Because also, if those two clans are working together, you're fucked. Oh, Bruja and Ventru? Yeah, that's also like terrifying combo. Mm-hmm. If you can get those two to like get together. Ventru, I will plan the war. Bruja, I'm going to punch the shit out of people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fight the war. <laughs> right. Hell yeah. With, like, gusto. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to be stoked about it. The people around me are going to be stoked about it. Hell yeah. All right. So the Torinor clan scatters all across the Mediterranean and the Near East. Uh, there's descriptions of them getting as far as, like, deep into Persia, uh, into various parts of North Africa and into Saharan Africa, up into... Uh, they don't so much describe getting up into Europe, but, you know, the Southern Europe. So, like, Spain, Greasy, the... France, Italy, that kind of zone. <sighs> but uh, while this is going on, it is uh, rumored that uh, the Toreador may have sold out secrets to the Ventru to help them win the Third Punic War, which is still a problem with the Bruja to this day. Mm. So 
yeah, Punic Wars, for those who do not remember, is where Rome and Carthage were, like, banging heads to be like, all right, this basically is the conflict that settles all of society as we know it to be like, okay, are we going to be Eurocentric or Africa-centric? And Europe won. Mm. So uh, I found two accounts of Toreador that uh, during the Punic Wars uh, sold out information about Carthage to the opposing side. One of them may have been Erichel herself, who was advising the uh, Malkavian prince uh, Alcaeus. Because hmm. it's back in the day when they were just like, yeah, the Malkavians can be princes. It's still Rome. This is fine. <laughs> so might have even been their antediluvian doing it. Or, or somebody that borrowed her name. Who knows? Right. And then uh, there may have been Helena, who was fighting with Carthage, realized things were going poorly, and then went, hey, Ventura in Rome, I'm really cool and hot, and I have secrets about how to get into Carthage. Do you want them? Bum, bum, bum. Let me come hang out with you. You can have these things. <sighs> Gosh, Helena. I uh, know. So, what, what are you doing here? You know, baby girl, d- trauma. Which, drama. Yeah, so that 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 whole betrayal may have sparked off the whole uh, conflict between her and Menelay. I forget Menelay. Menelay's the Bruja who was fighting in Carthage, who uh, is still very pissed about losing that conflict and dream. We will cover that when we get to that episode yeah, in more okay. depth. Got it. But after the fall of Carthage, the Toreador flee to Rome and are accepted to help rule. Seems very convenient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> So with Rome doing as Rome does, there is the rise of Christianity basically being viewed early on as a blood cult of sorts because the Toreador love having little cults. Yeah. Because uh, it's just a fun hobby. And they just see early Christianity and they're just like, oh, look at them. It's another blood cult. Like, that's weird. Huh. <laughs> they just started it themselves. They Just the mortals. They just did, did this that. by themselves. Like, oh. these, this is a group of like weird little, little Jewish guys just were like, <laughs> what if we have the body and blood of our savior? And they're just like, that's neat. <laughs> What if you did? <laughs> Why is the blood cult getting popular? Why is the blood cult saying that they need to uh, purge evil? Because this is a time period where the there was an ancient form of the masquerade. So technically vampires weren't out. Mm. And then these early Christians were like, hey, I realize that if we believe really hard in Jesus, we can fight these like secret overlords. And the vampires went, oh, fuck. That's a problem. <laughs> oh, no. That's a problem. Uh, yeah, so they, but unfortunately, they weren't taken too seriously until the fires started happening. Uh, thank you, Nero. Good yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah, so with that, there were also rumors spread about that the Toreador sold out Rome and the Ventru as a clan to the Bruja, the Zamitzi, the Giovanni, La Sombra, and Gangrel during the various sackings of Rome during its collapse, huh. which leaves some Ventru to be very not trusting of the Toreador. So this, the Toreadors just keep selling everybody out. Mm-hmm. That that just seems to be what's... Yeah, and it might not even be the of... whole clan doing it. It might just be some of them who are just good at it, and then the whole clan just gets it. Or it could be an organized clan thing, and then... I, honestly, just, yeah. I feel like it's less of an organized clan thing and just something that Toreador kind of do a mm-hmm. lot of the time. Because it's like, they move from city to city because they keep... Making fu- friends. Make, make, making friends and then pissing people off. Mm-hmm. And then they move to a different city... They immediately make friends with everybody there. Everybody goes, man, I like you. They're like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and they're like, you want to like hang out over here in like the prince's office? And he's, they're like, yeah, I do. And then eventually they're like, ah, I feel like moving. I want to go here. I'll just give them all the info that I have. 
And then they move. They might have the insider tea and just go, oh, oh, this is bad. Right. Oh, shit, I gotta move. I changed my mind. (laughs) Hold on. I see where this is going. Fuck. (laughs) Anywhere from that to, I'm bored. Yeah. And they'll let me in the city if I just give them this stuff. Yeah, yeah, look at this jawline. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And this cool jug I made. And people keep letting them come in. I know. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, so with the chaos of Rome collapsing under its own weight, uh, the Toreador sought out a new dream in Constantinople. It's not Istanbul, it's Constantinople. Ah, uh, it was in my head. It's such a good it song! immediately started playing. It's so good! Anywho, so, uh, I did want to note, there's another fun artifact that gets mentioned, which is the Lamp of Constantine. Uh, and it is a artifact of true faith that is said to contain the power of the sun, and it is literally just a lamp. Oh, hell yeah. So you light it and that's the sun. Yeah, yeah. So it could be like a little hooded lamp that just contains the power of the sun and you just like let it out. But apparently this artifact is so powerful that like if vampires even stand close enough to it, even if the lamp isn't on or opened, there will be problems. Like they'll start going through Rorschach? Yeah, all sorts of things or taking damage or need to flee. Yeah, it's fucking wild. It's a really cool thing. Uh... If people want us to talk about, like, hunter artifacts and making more, like, adversarial NPCs, I'd be happy to do that, but let us know. Yeah, I would love to do... Make a a baddie. I basically started Mm -hmm. a hunter episode getting prepared for the new H5, Mm -hmm. and then realized that none of the old lore was at all applicable to what was in the H5 book, so Mm -hmm. I pretty much already have, like, a script that was written that we had to be, like... And this is not applicable. We're gonna um, we're gonna put this in the files. We could it would I feel like it would be better almost to do like a second Inquisition sla episode first. Cause a lot of the old hunter stuff they just said, Well, that's second Inquisition now and hunters are different. Okay. That's kind yeah. of how I see H five got yeah. parsed out, is that they took all that old stuff and were like, We're gonna push that into like the vampire antagonists and hunters are doing their own thing yeah that's valid hmm. yeah that's i'm i'm kind of bringing this up because the, with constantinople being such a founded because of christianity and christianity gets tied in with like the true faith thing and as vampire adversaries or even vampires that are like well i'm grappling with my faith and what the fuck i am now could be an interesting plot thing so mm-hmm. had to note it boop so this is where we get into the dream, quote unquote, TM, those big frilly, uh, swirly little things that you can put on either side of text. Yeah. As you do. So the, the screen starts to waver and you hear. <laughs> yes. So the dream, it is a utopian vision of an enlightened canine society seeking beauty in all things. That's the elevator pitch of this idea. Sounds great. It sounds cool. Uh, so along with Constantine the Great, yes, that one, the one who saw the cross in the sky and then kicked ass for the Lord and then founded a city, that one. Oh. Uh, the, uh, converted to Christianity because they saw the cross in the sky before a battle and won. Along with that conversion was also the conversion of a powerful Toreador Methuselah who changed his name to Michael after the Archangel Michael. Oh. Yup. So Michael had, uh, two lovers- that they formed what they called the Trinity. His lovers were Antonius the Venturu and Drakon the Zemitsi, and were deemed the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit in kind. Oh my. Yeah, so we got a gay thruple. Uh, got a queer thruple being the, the basis of the dream. Yet again, a twink thruple is making plots for vampire. I'm just like, goddamn twink thruples. 
That can't end badly Ugh. at all. How'd it go last time, I wonder? How'd it go last time? Uh, <laughs> ended a little wormy. A I guess squirmy. this one was the first. I guess this was first. This time. was first, yeah. These these guys were the trailblazers. The trailblazers. Michael, Antonius, and <laughs> Dracon walked so Tremere, Goratrix, and Daddy Bear could run. <laughs> so they could squirm. So they could squirm. <laughs> so... Uh, Constantinople became a city of deep intrigue and culture, so there's a lot of really cool uh, Byzantine history things if you're into that kind of intrigue stuff. We don't have time, but... Take a shot. Take a shot. Uh, Any building, artwork, or person seen to offend Michael within the walls of Constantinople was purged. Oh. Yep. So we want beauty, but only the kind I want. Yes. And kindred and mortal competed, quote unquote, civilly to gain favor and the blood of heaven. I would assume this is just tastes of one of them. Yes. Mm. Yes. Most. Yeah. Becoming so, blood bound and then wanting to yeah, impress them more. Yeah. So the whole city kind of just became this like cult of personality with like Michael being at the apex of it because mm. he was kind of the center focus of the throuple. But you know, all three of them kind of worked together and balanced each other out and. Yeah. Huh. So it was just like, just, you know, when you have like the one person in the group who's like, I have all these ideas and runs away and you have the other two just being like, we got to, we need to set the twink down to make sure he drinks water and goes to bed. We have a schedule. Did you plan to go to the doctor? You have an appointment. Nope. But we're going to go do this. Yeah. So <laughs> all that worked pretty well until the final death of Antonius at the hands of his childer in 796 CE. Uh-oh. At which point, Michael begins to mentally unravel. Because, mm. you know, Big Sad, his boyfriend died, which is, you know, valid. But there then it just kind of spirals uh, from there. Um, he has these great delusions of grandeur that escalate to him literally believing he is the Archangel Michael upon this earth, enacting the will of God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And this might have possibly been driven into further madness with the dementation powers of one Gregorius Dimitis, a Malkavian of the city. So he's just like adding to it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The Toreador and the Malkavians just like, just, you know, swishing next to each other, just causing all sorts of yep. problems. Uh, Dracronus eventually does abandon Constantinople because he's just like, I can't, I cannot handle this. I'm also sad our boyfriend died. Manny, Manic Pixie Dream Boy is <sighs> getting too You're Getting too hyphy. <laughs> I can't, I literally cannot do this. I do like that this is another situation where it seems like a Malkavian was just like, and I'm going to slightly tip this over the edge, and then we uh -huh. just sit and watch. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. was like, I bet this was a prank. Yeah, well, there's some uh, interesting ties in with Gregorius, but uh, during the fourth century, or during the, bleh, during the fourth crusade, which was 1200 CE-ish, uh, the city was sacked with the aid of the Inkanu and the Canide Heresy. Oh, uh, yeah. That's so there is there are some rumors that uh, Gregorius was part of the Inkanu, which the Inkanu is this uh, whole subplot of vampires. At uh, it's, I literally would have to do a whole other fucking episode oh. to describe all of this, along with the Canine Heresy. So uh, we'll get to that. To the list. To the list. So just understand, yeah, the Inkanu and the Canine Heresy uh, is. Things that do eventually get tied in with the Sabbat, but those don't exist yet. So they're, they're kind of like the proto. Yeah, Sabbat. yeah. Uh, the guy from the Canine Heresy is also a Lasombra, just for notes. So uh, that makes sense. During this sacking, uh, Michael 
archangel, quote unquote, Michael, is diabolized by Mary the Black, a Bali Methuselah. Oh, Jesus. The Bali, for those who do not know, is a bloodline clan of vampires who are empowered by literally Satan and, de- and demons and... It's the most metal, edgy, edgy, edgy 90s, edgy, like tribal armband tattoo edgy bullshit. It's great, but it's also just like, what the fuck? Yeah, you got to be ready for some shit whenever you deal with them or their books. I'm pretty sure they're one of the clan books that got released as like under the Black Dog Games label instead of the White Wolf label because they're like, some of these clan books are extreme. I think there's two of them. I think they were one of them. Probably, yeah. Because they're just like, well, we're going to, even Old World of Darkness was like, we should at least put a minor warning on this book. <laughs> Which, if a, if edgy men in the 90s are being like, this is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot, guys. It's a lot. So uh, so supposedly, uh, Michael's body was laid to rest in a tomb below the Hagia Sophia. Which, if you ever look at that site, it's really pretty and cool. It is a mosque now. Uh, it is said that Michael, uh, will still make appearances and is like inhabiting or cohabitating the body of Mary the Black. But if you do ever see Michael, uh, his appearances are these ethereal, uh, kind of ghostly angelic things that are made out of like glowing stained glass. Cool. Which is really cool. That is also cool. fucking terrifying, terrifying. to just like I'm walking around and then there's homie over here made of stained glass, like walking around. Yeah. Cool, well, but like what the fuck? Yeah. That would be more weird than seeing a coyote in the middle of the city. It would <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That is just factually accurate. That's like a two and a ten. Yeah, that is a two and a ten. That's a place. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I found a picture of the thing. Oh, the Hagia Sophia. Yeah. Yeah. There is one of my. It has one of my favorite little archaeological finds in it, which is um, it was a church, got converted to a mosque, but uh, apparently during the raids and stuff, uh, some Vikings had shown up at some point. So up high in a little corner of the Hagia Sophia, there's just like these carvings. That everyone's like, what does this mean? What could this be? No one could figure it out for centuries. And then the Scandinavian folks came by and they're like, oh, those are runes. Ha! And they trained, they translated it and it basically just reads, Eric was here. Nuh-uh. Yeah. So these fucking little Scandinavian little Viking guys just showed up and they're like, wow, this is cool building. You know what? <laughs> Eric, Eric, I dare you to put your name. <laughs> and he went, yeah, I yeah. do it. Let me go really high. <laughs> like... <laughs> Why does that actually sound like it makes sense? It does. Yeah. Absolutely makes sense. It it scratches the the ook brain of dudes that are like, this is for the boys, and then they drop a big sheet of ice and it smashes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like no matter what time period, people are just being people. Yeah. It's great. But uh so in modern nights, for those who still believe in the dream, you can seek out the Nephilim, which is a very popular and very well funded and organized blood cult. This cult often offers beauty to those worthy of the angel's blessings. If you want more details, check out Cult of the Blood Gods, page 105. And yes, you can literally change how statistically hot you are or how useful your various disciplines are based on your interactions with this cult. Cool. It's neat. Nothing problematic at all. No. Speaking of problematic, the Middle Ages. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There Correct. Is, yeah. There is text of the Torador who lived through this time being fairly dismissive and nearly comically xenophobic and racist towards non-European cultures. Uh, uh, and so, hold on real quick, actually. Yeah. We have covered Torridor. Torridor has just stuck into Europe, it sounds like. Yeah. I, I can't it's... think of any examples of anyone outside of Europe that you've talked about. So I will far. be getting into that a little bit as okay. we go. It's just the accounts that I was able to dig up was from, like, one Methuselah had a very, like, specific viewpoint, and she's very... 
that that kind of like continental European xenophobic where she's like racist against like Scandinavian people and Slavs because, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. you know, like just they're uncultured. Bleh, they're dirty. She's right. like doesn't like Germans, you oh. know, like okay. that kind of European. Yeah. Also, the two main reasons we've seen in all our other clan dives where they will spread out further in the world past mm-hmm. Europe, especially earlier on, is because either they are imperial imperialists, mm. like Ventru, who are like, well, we can have that. Yeah, we can or, just have those. Or they're like the Malkavians, who are like, we got to get out of here. We're just going to go anywhere else. And that, so they yeah. spread out that way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Toreador does well enough in Europe, but they don't aren't really power-hungry enough where they're not like pushing war lines into new continents. Yeah. And they're also not like being hunted to death and chased to yeah, other continents. because it's like, yeah. not like the gangrel who are just wandering because they're just like, I'm just going to go here because it looks cool. Like, yeah. you know, that thing that like dogs do where they're just like, I'm going to go to the end of this field. And then they see that there's like, oh, there's woods. Oh, there's a mountain. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Torridor just, they, they amass a lot of power and wealth and then quote unquote, don't do anything with it. Right. Uh, they do, but they're not doing things that are like profitable through like a capitalistic lens, generally speaking. But a lot of them also benefit from colonialism and imperialism and capitalism. So right. they kind of it's it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's because you get some that are like, yeah, these are problems and I don't like it. I don't know what you want me to do about it. But, you know, they, they I'm kind, doing my thing over here. They right. kind of have Nepo baby energy. It's a lot of Nepo baby energy. Yeah, Where it's like, well, I'm not the one who's designing bombs for the country. That was dad. I just have the money and I'm just trying to enjoy my life like everyone else. <laughs> That's why I have three um ferraris mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the little things in i life. bought an electric vehicle yes i understand that it is a sports vehicle that i literally cannot drive on the street because it is too low to the ground but i have an electric vehicle <sighs> anyways so i had a friend uh, yes. that uh, lowered his car mm-hmm. he slammed it as they call um, and he got it so low that he had to change the cam- camber camber of Cam- the wheels. Mm-hmm. So they had to do this. Oh, they this. bend out. And yeah, they yeah, bend out. Um, it was like an inch and a half off the ground. And what? yeah, it was ridiculous. And he, when he went over speed bumps, he had to like go sideways over them almost. Yeah. That's. And there was one time that we were going to a friend's house after work. He used to work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to our, our manager's house and he lived in an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. And there was one way you could go in that just went straight to the, to the apartment. Mm-hmm. The other way, there was like seven speed bumps. And so naturally we were like, let's take the speed bump route <laughs> and just stop after each one and watch him have to go around. And we did it. And it was really, really funny. Good. Sometimes you just need things to be practical. <laughs> but yeah so middle ages there's a lot of you know just, just the way things were written it was uh the torridor again scattered to the wind and tried to cling to places where there was like culture and something going on uh so the way it's described though does kind of give me again that ick of it sounds like europeans going to places that are quote-unquote uncultured and uncivilized and bringing them greek and roman enlightenment but it's like but these people already have their culture and are already doing their own thing it's like it's cool you're bringing your stuff to share but like these are also people you're not that are introducing ex- culture to yeah them. these are things yeah. we have we just yeah. have our own version of it yeah part, part of me is a little <laughs> bit surprised about that with toreador considering they're like love for art and culture and whatnot i guess maybe they just love all alt art and culture that they've been introduced to already well yeah it's it's wonky because some of it gets described as you know people 
like there's Torador that like would screw off into the Near East and they would end up at like the Library of Baghdad and be all into the art and the science and like the the long discussions and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. Library of Baghdad is actually a really interesting historical thing. Um, but yeah, there are some Torador that are just like, I'm fascinated by this. I want to hear these things. Or they're actually like the, the, the quote unquote, the makers, the artists ones. And then there's the other side that are like the posers that are like the critiques and the critics. and right. the, So some Torador are just going to be very opinionated and stuck in their ways of like, this is what art is. This is what beauty is. And if you do anything else, it's wrong. And then you're going to get other ones that are just like, oh, this is cool. Teach me how to do that. Yeah. How the hell are you how doing I, that? I want to try it. What's this hookah? Un- <laughs> Unfortunately, but there's some who are also the opposite who are like, wow, the thing you created is amazing. Hey, everyone, look at this thing that I've yeah. created. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, absolutely. there's absolutely. a lot of that, too. So we are acknowledging that this is sadly the just things that happen and it sucks and just be aware of it. Uh, Yeah. So uh, during uh, this time period, there was uh, several cases of uh, Venture going off to fight in the Crusades. Uh, and when they would come back. They're just kind of like, mm, we think Britain seems like it's going to be the next seat of power. We're going to go to Britain. Fuck the continent. Which left France open for the Toreador to be like, yes, this is mine. Thank you. Thank you. So this shifts a lot power seats in Europe. And this is also around the time where you start getting these like courts of love and the chivalry uh, knightly things and the troubadour culture mm-hmm. gets lumped into this time period as well. So neat. All your cool high fantasy things, bardcore. Thanks, Toreador. Thanks, Toreador, for taking over France. Because the Venture were just like, mm, tis a silly place. <laughs> <laughs> so the Renaissance. Uh, the Toreador thrived because they're just like, ah, culture is back. Culture is back. So either there were Toreador Guess that were back. like, back again. Uh, Culture's yeah. back. <laughs> so, combination of Toreador that stayed in the area that helped to uh, revitalize things, and then that caused a cycle of Toreador across the area going, oh, they're doing art now, and they have trousers. Neat. <laughs> nice we're pants. going checking it out. Ah, yes, there's music now, and uh, this Baroque thing seems cool. I know the Baroque comes earlier before. I understand. Just let me make the joke. It's fun. <laughs> so... There's, well, Torador have France. There's also a lot of talk of Torador uh, doing well in Spain and in Italy. Italy is very crowded. It causes a lot of problems. I will talk about that in a different episode. <laughs> oh, just wait till we get to do the Hakata. Oh, we'll talk a lot a about it. Mm, like, yeah, a lot of spicy meatballs, yes. I'll uh, make some spaghetti for the Hakata episode. We will be eating spaghetti. <laughs> I, that will be happening. We'll okay, but you have you have to make the Godfather prison sauce. What the Godfather prison sauce? Or you you got to get the straight razor to cut the garlic so it melts properly. Oh God! <laughs> no, it's gonna take you about six hours. But yeah. that's your can that's we convince Mike to do that? Maybe yeah. Yeah, if we can get Mike to do that, I'll do it. I don't want to. I have to write these fucking. I have to do the writing of the script. I don't want to do that and make a goddamn sauce. Well, he was putting that on me. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. If John's yeah. doing it, that's because he he said spaghetti and I said sure, but you gotta make okay cool maybe you should ask mike <laughs> do, do i have to do it prison style or can i use like modern tools you can use modern tools but it has to have the same amount of care oh that's fine that's how i kind of make my i usually make a meat sauce instead mm-hmm. of like a normal like spaghetti sauce just like the i believe that one before we get to um in the, in the weeds i believe that one involves um italian sausage hot sausage um deer shank and um 
beef shoulder. Well, I won't put the beef in there. I usually use Italian sausage. Okay. Um, I don't usually use hot sausage, but I do oftentimes cut up a jalapeno really, really fine and put it in there early. Um, and that kind of heats it up a little bit more. This is, uh, well, Giovanni. You, okay. Well, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I guess I can bring it back. I can bring it back. So you know how we got tomatoes because of the age of exploration, because tomatoes are not native to Italy. So brought it back around. So the age of exploration and trade upset the balance between the Toreador adventure and La Sombra. And that was also further upended because the Tremere showed up. And everybody's like, God damn it. These fuckers. I'm almost surprised that they didn't reunite under the banner of, well, these guys are really fucking around. We got to watch out before they turn us all into different vampires. Yeah, I mean, that kind of did start to happen. But then the Tremere were smart enough to be like hiring themselves out as mercenaries. So they're just like, yeah, we're a problem. But we're extraordinarily useful. And you also hate those guys. And they're just like, shit, you're right. You are useful. And I also hate those guys. <laughs> so <laughs> if you make yourself useful, they can't kill you. They can, though. Uh, and they should have. <laughs> I'm right here. Sorry. It's okay. Sorry. So uh, the Toreadors seem to be split on the issue of colonization and slavery. During this time period, with some seeing Africa, Southeast Asia, and the First Nations art as inherent signs of those people's humanities. Because, you know, there are some Torador that are like, well, we already do ghouling. How is this any different? Like, we're already monsters. We're already doing the bad thing. Mm. Who gives a fuck? Right. Which is like, okay, I see the logic train, but that's how you fall down the spiral of humanity. Because this mm -hmm. is bad. Shouldn't do it. Shouldn't do it. But I do like that there were Torador that's like, but look at the cool things they make, like the craftsmanship. Like, these people clearly have culture and souls. Right. Like, you can't just do this shit. So, but they also didn't really try hard enough really to do anything about it. So, like, Nepo baby logic. Yeah. Uh, but there's a really cool segment uh, in the book uh, that describes a settlement of Toriador in Sungbo Erdo in Nigeria. Okay. Uh, which was a which is a massive complex that's like a hundred miles wide, uh, oh. fortifications uh, that legend says was built by the wealthy Bilikisu uh, Songbo, who may have been the fabled queen of Sheba. Okay, cool. Uh, this is a real like site, like an archaeological site. Uh, it's currently being uh, vetted to be like a UNESCO World Heritage site. It's fucking cool. This yeah. is also part of the reason why my research for this took so long, because I went, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I've never heard of this. It's sick. Yeah. It's really fucking cool. Um, the kindred population here uh, stayed around for several centuries and basically shifted from these white European Toreador that showed up to being pretty much a completely localized population of Toreador that was doing culture and art and just kind of chilling in this fortifications until about the 1980s. So it's kind of it's kind of like a, an artistic Wakanda I don't have a better way to describe this. It's neat. Uh, so it, I think it wouldn't be out of pocket that there are probably just pockets of Toreador in all sorts of various places in the world where they just went, oh, this is neat. Yeah. And then they just kind of integrated with the local culture. Yeah, say so it seems like the ones I who are less like predatory about culture would just like kind of blend in. They're like, what are you doing school? I'm going to do it too. Teach me that. And then they just become part of wherever that is instead mm -hmm. of being like, Oh, we run this now, by the way. Yeah. The clan overall doesn't seem to have a drive to run things and quote unquote wield power. They just kind of amass it as by proxy of just uh, being hot. Being hot. Yeah. Because <laughs> people go. And like being into things like, I mean, like, yeah. let's be real. Art, unfortunately, is not like a, a good thing to make a living on 
if you're a normal human being most of the time. But if you're a fucking vampire and you already have the wealth, you can make a lot of money getting into art. Yeah, well, it's like if you're doing a craft and people go, oh, that's cool. Here's money or food or trades or goods. You, if you do that just enough over time, you're just going to be like, oh, fuck, I have all the gold. Right. Shit. Well, <laughs> it also makes me think, I can't remember the name, the um, kind of RTS series where you're trying to like grow your empire across mm-hmm. the world. But I mean, you can always win with a war victory where you mm-hmm. just control everything. You can win with culture. Your culture gets so large that you kind of just take over because everyone's into what you're doing. Or uh, science. Dude, Civ. Civ is fantastic. You can also get religious victories, which is always just like, huh. Yeah, (laughs) I never do that one, so I forget about it. Oh, yeah, there's there's ways to cheese Civ where you can... uh, One of my favorite ways to cheese Civ is you can get a religious victory by uh, stacking a bunch of benefits... Or, no, you can get a science victory by stacking a bunch of benefits where your religion gives science bonuses. It's wild. Huh. Oh, yeah. You you can break the fuck out of Civs. Thanks, Civs Myers. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, speaking of Civ, uh, the Toreador apparently did not have a lot of luck with accessing Southeast Asia. Ooh. Did not go well. Uh, I don't think anybody did. No right? one really did. The Toreador, though, tried really hard. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of cool shit going on. There's a lot of cool shit, and there's a lot of pretty things, and they're just like, I'm going to go look at it. I'm going to go look at it. This seems neat. Uh, so, uh, kind of mirroring. They're doing the Eric Andre, the let me in! Let me in! Let me in! Yeah, <laughs> literally. So, it, it mirrors a lot of the historical, like, uh, like, barricades that, like, Japan had and some, like, trade access things between, uh, the West and, like, China and shit like that. So, kind of in mirroring that, uh, basically a lot of Torador that went out, uh, had interactions with the Kwai Jin over there and they did not go well and a lot of them do not return ever. So they just are like, I'm going to explore gone damn no one knows what happened damn uh we do have an account of the toreador jan van houten of course uh who had stakes in the dutch east india company and he was like i'm gonna use this company that has successfully created trade relations with people of the southeast asia persuasion Mm -hmm. so that i can get in and go look at the cool stuff Smart move. did not go well Uh, uh he was trying to get into japan and he had to undergo a series of composure tests and humiliations to gain access. So the courts there were just also doing the Nosferatu thing of like, ha ha ha. What if we make this guy look like an asshole? <laughs> so I like the idea of this Toreador that really wants to go look at the cool like gardens and architectures and like calligraphy paintings and mm-hmm. like the silk weavings for the kimonos. He wants to be there. Uh, the first vampiric weeb. The first vampiric weeb. Basically had to go through like the the extreme challenge. <laughs> Game yes. show. Yes, most extreme <laughs> most extreme challenge to be able to go look at shit. It's very funny. Were you saying that they're coming back? Yeah, it's gonna be on Amazon Prime, I think, but they have the original host back, the original Japanese host, Hell not yeah. the Spike TV. Hell yeah. Revoicings. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Hell yeah. So there is a note I want to give because there's a section uh, written about uh, Christopher Columbus and cognitive dissonance. Oh. I'm not going to get super into it, but they had a quote that I thought was interesting given the struggles of that time period and the clan that we're dealing with. So if either of you want to read that. Sure, I'll go with it. When Toreador first start to slide, they almost always exhibit this cognitive dissonance. They justify their actions more than most kindred are wont to do. After all, we're closer to humans, and that's what humans do. Uh, that's from Anthony Sungbo from Toreador Revised. Mm. Yeah, his whole section of the Toreador Revised <laughs> book is fucking fantastic, and I highly recommend you just read the whole section. Uh, but... Yeah, because it's cool to be like, oh, a black Toreador from Africa is giving his viewpoints on things from the clan. Neat. 
Yeah. It's cool as fuck. Uh, but yeah, so they're, they they have a section where they talk about like colonialism and slavery and just the various fuckeries that Europe is doing during this time period and the clan's overall thoughts on it. And a lot of it is just this kind of, well, it's what the humans are doing. So like, I'm you know. just trying to be with them. Yeah. So it's a lot of like justifications for fucked up things, even though they can recognize the fucked up things mm-hmm. and it doesn't excuse it. It is still morally bad. Right. But just it doesn't seem that they are active. Well, some of them do get into doing the slavery thing. Because, you know, you go low enough on the humanity train. You just go, well, people are art. And you're just like, no, what the fuck? And yeah. um, we're also going to talk about a little bit of Inquisition fuckery. And I literally have to because there is a segment called 1492 and the Jews. So. Oh, no. <gasps> oh. Yeah, yeah. So we do have a section about blood libel in vampire literature. If you want to go check out that episode, yeah, that was with our uh, Nosferatu. Month, that was right? yeah, yeah. So it has come back again. Hi, everybody. Anti-Semitism sucks. Um, but uh, in the text, there is a conspiracy among the Toriador to push for the Inquisition to help root out other clans from the church. Because some of them were like, hey, the art, the church is making cool art and hiring us to do cool art. Why don't we just run the church? Shit. The Venture and mostly the Lasamba are already in the church. How do we get rid of the competition? Hey, Father, I have some confessions for you. <laughs> and they did this initially starting in the 1200s when there was like really early Inquisition stuff. And apparently that went well for them. And then it got out of hand. I like the quotes there. Because that's kind of how they describe it. They're like, oh, yes, our, our, our gambit was wondering wonderfully. And then the 1400s happened and... Ooh. Just kind of... Kind of... Just kind of got off its leash a little bit. Yeah. So uh, some of the Toreadors say that because the Lissambre take over Spain in this time period, that is why the Inquisition specifically turns to purging of the Jews from Spain uh, using a combination of mortal anti-Semitism of the time and La Sombra having concerns about cabalic practices to hunt out vampires. Hmm. So they're just like, yeah, the La Sombra went insane with power and then we're just like, well, we're concerned about these people having true faith and da, 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 and that's why we're doing all these terrible, awful things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not like the Toreador weren't doing that already, kind of. So it's it's a weird, it's like, well, I wasn't doing it. It was these guys, they are the bad ones. So Well, I was doing it to the vampires, but they got a hold of the idea and then they took it. Because they don't have the tact and grace that we do. Right. Yeah, it's like, that, that's kind of how it read. Um, there's also another source that mentions that uh, many of the Jews in Spain uh, were Toreador, like Toreador embraced from this community because, you know, they were craftsmen and artisans mm-hmm. and were doing cool stuff. And the Toreador went, that's neat. I'm going to sit here and do that. So a lot of Toreador that were in Spain at the time also fled with the pogroms and the purges Mm. during this time and left Spain. So uh, terrible, nasty history stuff that happens and handle responsibly in your games, please. Thank you. So that brings us to the Convention of Thorns, which the Toreador love, love to brag that the whole Camarilla, the whole Convention of Thorns was their planning and doing. It's not them entirely. It was a group effort, but I mean... Thorns, Rose, come on. Yeah. It's practically in the name. Yep, I know. Well, it's in, it happened in the town of Thorns, which may have which... been a branding thing, honestly. <laughs> There's like, I was about to say. It's a branding. It's, it's, <laughs> come on yeah. Now. yeah, yeah, it's a lot of, the Torridor wield a lot of subtle power, so. Mm-hmm. Like we said, uh, the, the table mat 
yes. will be telling you how to feel. The flowers mm-hmm. will be telling you what the Toreador thinks of you. Mm-hmm. Town of Thorns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Music choices, tempo, even like scent, all, all sorts of things. It's all mm-hmm. messaging. Uh, but one of the main founders of the Camarilla, Raphael de Corazon, uh, whose impassioned speech for the importance of the masquerade convinced the rest of the Camarilla to adopt the policy. Because there was debates on whether or not they were going to bother with doing the masquerade. And I think they'd be fucked if they hadn't. Yeah, that was kind of the, the crux of the speech. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so this guy was one of the, the the founding signers for the Camarilla. He represented Clan Toreador. Technically isn't dead, and he might be part of the inner council, the inner circle, mm. to this day. That's I think, wild. I think that is also a note that is a good way to um, run Sabat who are openly like, I don't care about the masquerade. Mm-hmm. It's just that they are smart enough to know that they haven't amassed the power mm-hmm. to not do it yet. Yeah. Like their whole idea, like, well, we unite as vampires and then we're strong enough to just turn the humans into cattle. Mm-hmm. Then we don't have to hide it. But they're like, well, there's eight of us right now in this city. And if they find out, they have a lot more guns. Yeah, they have daylight and uh, drones. <laughs> Shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, hell, even in ancient times, mortals were able to organize and combat uh, vampires. Like, there's a there's a thing earlier in the script I had to cut for time about potentially the Toreador uh, backing Sargon of Akkad to take over uh, Sumeria. And they taught him and his troops how to wrangle the gangrel in Sumeria with fire and the sun. Hmm. Yeah. It's a whole, but it's one so of those like sheep dogging the gangrel into war. Yeah, that's it's kind of metal, but also hilarious. Yeah, it's it's left. They, <laughs> it's described and it's left very open to interpretation whether the Toreador did that, which would make sense considering their antediluvian may have gotten kicked out of Sumer mm-hmm. by the gangrel and uh, uh, as a petty move later. Yeah, on. and Sumeria yeah. being the last like major civilized society that was ran by the gangrel essentially, mm-hmm. and just being like, haha, we knocked him off the chessboard. Right. But yeah, anyways, uh, I love that I cut it for time and then I still talked about it. Bam. <laughs> That's how these go. <laughs> yeah. The Torridor is not known for fighting and seems to have split on how it feels about several con- uh, conflicts and social movements. And this is just kind of how they are all the time from basically the Renaissance on. Mm-hmm. They don't really tend to get involved in uh, fights specifically as a clan and it'll be kind of a split thing. Um, it. I do mention that in the text, uh, many Toreador during the American Revolution remained loyal to Britain and fought on the that side and became Redcoats. And then when we won, uh, they were just like, fuck, and went back to Britain <laughs> or went up to Canada. Right. <laughs> you know. Uh, I many... could totally see a lot of them being like, and I've never worn red in my life. That's such a gauche color. Right. I, I would never. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a spring. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, many Toreador fled or died in France during the French Revolution, and there are many Toreador who fought for the South during the American Civil War because they were part of the gentry plantation class. Mm. Kind, so. kind of a, um, I'm drawing a blank now, I feel like a dummy, um, the uh, big Anne Rice novel. Um, uh, interview? Interview. A yeah. lot of them are like, start as like more gentry southern. Mm-hmm vamps in that story where they're just like well i want to keep what i have so here i am yes so it's a lot of that and you do get some torridor who are on the opposite side that will be invested in counterculture but that tends to not in the past especially not be as common and it gets more common as like we get into the modern era yeah 
So, yeah, there's a lot of Toreador who are just the bad guys in every conflict because they're like, well, this is where all the money and the art and all the culture is, so I'm here. And then they're just like, oh, I guess I'm just the baddie now. I'm just going to keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so that's womp, kind of unfortunate. Womp, womp. Uh, the Industrial Revolution and going on in time seems to have locked much of the clan into the cycle of having a lot of wealth and power and playing a lot of their own internal political games, but not really wielding anything in any kind of serious way. So they just they have things and then they just kind of are perceived to not be doing anything with it. Right. Which annoys the shit out of everyone else. <laughs> Um, the 20th century is seen as a particularly exciting time for the clan to invest and interact with humanity, uh, with the vast amount of art, subgenres, and tools becoming available in such a short time frame, which, if you really think about it, is fucking bananas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, over just, yeah, over the course of the 20th century of just going from, like, crystal cathode radios to the internet. Yeah. Like, that's fucking wild. wild. Wild the amount of shifting we have done in such a tiny amount of time. Or, Holy shit. Or even just a newspaper. Yeah. Your daily newspaper, too. Mm -hmm. You can have uh, every newspaper written in the world at your fingertips at any moment. Mm hmm. It's crazy. So, yeah, there's just a. This could be said that why over the past hundred years the Torridor haven't particularly done terribly much as a clan because they're just so like, oh, fuck, I'm spoiled for choice. I got all these things. And then they turn around and go, <laughs> fuck, they made a new thing. <laughs> and I start learning this, and then they're just like, fuck, I gotta learn it again. When do the I can't handle it. There's either no pants, then pants, and then the pants are white, and then they're skinny, and then they're white again. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, because I could see that being like an exciting and good time for them, mm -hmm. but I can also just see it being like insanely overwhelming for them. Yeah. I could, yeah, I can definitely see. I mean, we've already said Toreador is clan ADHD. Mm-hmm. And so then, like, you know, when you give an ADHD kid, like, all the hobbies, maybe it's, it's a bit of a problem. Maybe it's good for them that the Camry outlawed out, uh, phones. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nothing gets done because all of Clan Toreador is just stuck scrolling on TikTok. <laughs> like, god damn. Yeah, they don't need that Black Mirror. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, yeah, so that, that might also explain why there are some Toreador that just, like, essentially are overstimulated and they just violently reject that. Because, like, even just doing art stuff with normal folks, mm -hmm. the amount of people that just, v like, vigorously and will vehemently talk your ear off about how much, like, they don't like modern art because it's not art. And I have to go, do you mean actually modern art or do you mean postmodernism? What are you both. talking about? <laughs> do you mean both? Then say both. <laughs> They're different things. They have different ideologies. They have different techniques. They're fucking different. No. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, we did a really bad job naming art. We should probably have never named a um, movement that would last mm -hmm. um, as as a existing style forever as modern. Um, it kind You're of gives wrong. an implication that that's what's being done right now. You're not and wrong. same mm -hmm. with postmodern is also now like... It's whatever the new thing is. It's postmodern. Well, it's it's annoying because the people who came up with calling it modernist were these fucking overly intellectual dickheads in the 30s. They're like, ah, we're creating the new modern era in some like 30s into the, like, the early Edwardian. But, you know, they are like, we're part of the modernist movement. They Like they shot themselves in the foot immediately as everyone was wont to do during World War One and two. Mm. <laughs> Everybody just constantly shoot themselves in the foot. Huh, anywho, 
So, continuing on. So, there are notes of some sort or taking part in the civil rights movement, seeing uh, freedom of speech as a vital part of creation. So, yeah, you, you could definitely have cases for Toreador being involved in various uh, censorship and art movements. I want to know the Toreador that is backing the photographer that did Piss Christ, uh, whoever that one is. Yes. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Didn't the Catholic Church end up backing that guy up when people got mad at him? I'm pretty I sure. Don't that I don't remember. I I wouldn't be surprised if certain branches did because there are. I'm pretty sure like the Pope, like the actual like, like John Paul. Th- I can't remember. I don't know my. Pope. Yeah, I don't. I don't but know. it was the Pope at the time because mm-hmm. the the backlash was insane. Bananas. And even the church was like, no, he's making a statement about how like some of you are being bad Christians. Not mm-hmm. saying that Christianity's bad. You're not understanding. He's cool. And he got like <laughs> the Catholic pardon, I guess you could call it. The Catholic pardon? Yeah. Where they had to pull him in and be like, no, no, no. Like, we, we have to publicly give this guy the okay, otherwise he's going to get stabbed. Because people were trying to I stab mean, him he'll and shoot him. Might also get stabbed, anyways. Yeah, but we. I don't remember offhand. We'd have to research on that. We might talk about it later in a special episode. Who knows? This uh, Christ episode. Oh, God. <laughs> This this podcast is getting out of hand. So uh, there are also notes of some Toreador uh, investing in eco-friendly tech and pollution cleanup to help preserve architecture and nature. Though most of the clan uh, enjoy their creature comforts too much to really push on these efforts. Oh, like I said. Yeah. So it's one of those, like, there's parts of the clan that go, hey, guys, the smog is ruining our view of the skyline. Can we get that taken care of, Can please? we? I've, I've figured out the mortals have figured out a way to clean that up. If you just go throw some money at this, we can solve the problem. And they're just like, ah, eh, but I'm comfy. They're like, we'll throw a gala. Okay, fine. I'll show up. <laughs> I can put on the dress. Yes. So it's just one of those like, oh, fucking Christ. Yeah, so they're Nepo babies. <laughs> yeah. We have to trick them into doing charitable acts. <laughs> like, they will do it. And there's some in the clan that do want to do, like, positive things for society. But I feel like they're just constantly being undercut by the Nepo babies. <laughs> <laughs> And all the, and gestures at the rest of vampire kind. <laughs> it's kind of like, like the idea of like two Toreador friends, one much more Nepo baby, other one who's like, look, I have this whole plan. Like we have a party set up for, you know, benefit for blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, but I really wanted the chocolate fountain. It's like, you can't, you eat, can't chocolate. Even eat the chocolate. <laughs> fine, fine. I'll get it. I understand you <laughs> like the smell of it. And if you feed enough of it to a ghoul, you you keep telling me you can kind of taste it, but I fed off of those guys. It just tastes like blood. Like every other time I feed on somebody, I don't know why you're like this, Cheryl. Please. <laughs> Fucking focus. Camera <laughs> pans back to her and yes. Cheryl's doing some other thing. Just immediately just <laughs> unplugged from the conversation. Yep. By this um, thought process, could we determine that Mr. Beast would be a Toreador ghoul? Fuck. Fuck. Oh my God, that would work. That hurts. It yeah. hurts, but you're not. Oh God. Uh, you're right though. That would work. I'm upset. Anywho. Um, Go away. Speaking of that, <laughs> the speed and access of the internet and modern travel has given the clan massive diversity in styles, tastes, trends, and creators. So Toreador nowadays is a lot more diverse in uh, embrace and in thought than they have been in previous centuries. So there Yay. might be some divides between the old that don't understand these dang kids and their MySpace pages. 
Yes. And then the youths that are just like, but art can be so many things. And yeah, so have fun with that. Uh, some of the clan view the much wider access to art creation and creators as a massive watering down of what art is and is actively harming beauty. And then others view this wide array of voices and strengthening... Er, let me start over. Others view the wide array of voices as strengthening art and allows for more of humanity to create and share in its beauty. So that's kind of the big debate. Okay. And times. So I highly recommend if anybody has uh, interest in kind of just getting a vibe of the clan's thoughts on things and also just kind of like where we were in the late 90s, early aughts, just on kind of like how we everything was kind of feeling as a mindset in that time period there's a section in the torador revised book called a new millennium on page 43 just fucking read it because it was like the most hauntology just vibe of just being like hey so everything is like really scary and on fire and terrible but like we're at the edge of like a new dawn of technology and doing stuff and maybe things will be okay maybe it won't and it's kind of like it was Considering everything going on in the world right now, it was a fucking oof, but it was like a, a, be- a beautifully bittersweet oof to read. So I highly recommend that if you get a chance. So now we've made it to V5, everyone. Yay. <laughs> Hooray! So uh, the big thing, the big fuck off thing, the Toreador have done. They finally have started to do big political moves. Woo! They haven't done shit for centuries, supposedly. And everybody's like, these fucking useless, pretty assholes. What are they doing? They they whipped the biggest dick <laughs> out of the most expensive pair of, like, Dolce and Gabbana trousers and thwapped it on a mahogany table <laughs> with organizing the Vermilion Wedding. Oof. Which is just one of those, like, holy shit. What did you do? So This is one of the wildest, I think, things it, that happens in E5, and you don't hear people talk about no, it. No, hardly anyone talks about it, and it is, like, the biggest fucking thing, and if you spend the time to, like, read the little fluff character notes, I went down a fucking rabbit hole, you guys. I went down a fucking rabbit hole. But, uh, yeah, no, all the little notes about, like, what this means and what the implications are are fucking wild, hella fantastic, yes. I'm like, cool, the Torador did something, and it involved a party. <laughs> so hooray for them. Obviously, it involved yes. the party. So the Vermilion Wedding is a union between the Torador and the Banu Hakim, bringing those of the judges who reject the call of Earl Shagi into the Camarilla, and also forms an alliance between the Camarilla and the Ashira. Oh. Which, you know, in light of the Gehenna Wars, and also just gestures at everything we've been doing in the Middle East for the past, like... 200 years yeah kind of kind of a big fucking deep fucking thanks thanks this is yeah uh an understanding in the metal plot of you know like well for the camaria like well we lost the gangrel and then we had the convention of Prague, and we lost the bruja fuck and second inquisition's coming and whatever the fuck's going on in the middle east with gehenna oh no what lasombra want to come in yeah man go yeah ahead. man come in what? Uh, Hakeem? yeah come on in yeah and then just fucking tagiri is just this fucking Chad. I don't say that lightly at all. Just fucking shows the fuck up very politely. It goes, would you like to form an alliance with me? <laughs> like quite literally. And it's, you can read, you can read about that. Uh, I will get to that in a bit. But yeah. So with the Vermilion wedding, uh, the ceremony is said to have been held at this massively lavish multi-night event in Tehran. I remember reading somewhere that the, the, the initial ceremony and the initial whatever was handled in a very secret private ceremony in Odense, Denmark. 
I cannot find where the fuck I had read that. Hmm. So it was more they had like a private actual ceremony yeah. and then the actual Vermilion wedding was more of like a uh, coming out for the couple. Yeah. yeah, it was like a it was a big public event that was like noted down by the Justicars. Here's my thing with the Odin's. I, th- I remember this being around like the Odin's pack. I did a I did a bunch of control F searching in the books and I couldn't find it. But it was also like super late at night when I was doing this and just the brain wasn't braining. But I swear to God, I read this. So if they did the secret ceremony and were already in a union, that would make sense because when they do the ceremony in Tehran with like the really ostentatious like thing, they're already, it's already described that uh, Victoria Ash and Tigurius are already like acting like they're in love with each other. And the Camarilla like to like tote that up as like, ah, this is a union of the body, mind and soul. Look at them. Like they already deeply care for each other. It's going to be a union between like uh, beauty and civility Mm. and it's this is like perfect but it also could just be a bunch of camaria propaganda right so it's it's fucking interesting and it's a lot of just like free plot hooks that you guys can just take and run within the games it's and just you know things that people can chit chat about in the games and it's it's crazy so uh the notes do indicate yeah hold on yeah i'm just about to repeat what i just said i apologize Mm -hmm. moving on so the the crux of the Vermilion wedding is the ceremony known as a blood wedding. For those who don't know in the class, a blood wedding is a mutual blood bond between two kindred that is done along with a ceremony. That's the official way a blood wedding is done. But you can have just, there are people that just will colloquially refer to a mutual blood bond as a blood wedding, but... Mm-hmm. This is what it officially is. Now, ceremony like a like a marriage ceremony or marriage cer- or, or ceremony like a blood magic ceremony. It can be done with blood magic if you so choose. More often than not, it's described to be like an actual wedding. Okay. Uh, blood marriages were from like a bygone era because back in the day they were used to like seal treaties, much mm-hmm. like marriages were done in like civilian nobility things where they're right. like, ah, your son and my daughter will reunite in holy matrimony under God and we'll share each other's military and lands and wealth. Right. So it's like that. But then the vampires are like, we're going to do this, but I also want you guys to not kill each other. So if you're mutually blood bound to each other, you <laughs> won't do that. Right. I imagine it's kind of like a, you may now drink the bride kind of ceremony <laughs> where like, they outline what's happening. And then, yeah, there is a note where Victoria Ash describes the, her and her other uh, Camarilla compadres being bored and forcing neonates to do blood weddings just for entertainment. Oh, wow. So she finds her now being pol- kind of politically pushed into blood bonding with Tigerius to be like, oh, this feels a little chromactic. <laughs> <laughs> she's a little like, hmm. Well, at least she can recognize Yeah, that, she's like, you know? this, uh, I, I was kind of a shit. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's also the power levels is crazy because I checked. So Victoria Ash is technically eighth gen. Tagarius is fifth. Oh. So it's one of those like, whoo, buddy. Whoo, shit. And uh, in the terms of meta plot, Tagarius is also slated to potentially be the Justicar for the Bana Hakim. It's technically not official in the uh, the text, but if you want to make that in your game, it's like there. It makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, the ceremony is described as having a mishmush of uh, old courtly practices for marriage from like France and European practices and old uh, marriage practices from like the Middle East and Islam. And they kind of do this really kind of cute like cultural blending of the two Aww. and i'm like oh that sounds cool 
And it just makes me think of those wedding videos I've seen where it's been like the Scottish Punjabi weddings where they have like the drums and the bagpipes all chilling together. And I'm just like, oh, that's super fun. <laughs> I had some family um, that married into a Indian family. Mm-hmm. And so they did like a double wedding oh, hell yeah. where they did like a more flannel American Mm-hmm. kind of wedding and then they did like a lunch and then they did the very like the very big, big Indian, Indian wedding, wedding oh, afterwards yeah. so it's like an all day thing but it was cool was hell cool. yeah honestly Indian wedding though Middle Eastern wedding wild every time I've seen it I'm just like the party looks cool as fuck yeah honestly like I don't I was like th- this is way better than American wedding receptions like holy shit <laughs> like the music slaps and the food looks good and everybody's having a good t- hell yeah this is a vibe anyways um so if you want more official details go to the camarilla book uh pages 91 and 92 there's a lot of really good info in the camarilla book and i'm tired of people like chucking that in the anarch book aside because i'm like guys there's a lot of really good shit in there fucking use the goddamn anyways read so uh, major leaders, NPCs within the clans. So, uh, for the Toreador, they have Jessicar, Diana, Iandaz, Iandaz, I, I Danza, I Danza, I Danza. Sorry, this is a name I've read several times and never said aloud. Fair. Huh. So she's described as the bane of Clan Gangrel. Because of that, I went, why? <laughs> I control F'd. So many books. Nothing. Couldn't find anything specific, but it did lead me down a different rabbit hole. <laughs> oh no. Strap in. Uh, this does tie into the blood wedding that we just talked about, the Vermilion wedding. So in Beckett's Jihad Diary, there is a uh, transcription of a meeting between uh, Jan Peterzun, Ian Carfax, Fatima Alfakadi, and Tagirius. And Beckett's there, of course, because he's got the fucking tape recorder. Because, <laughs> of course, Beckett's there. If you know your lore, these are all really big names. Yeah, Jan Peterzun, you should remember from the Venture episode. Ian Carfax is from the Tremere. Uh, and Fatima Alfakadi is from Bana Hakim. She's a big NPC. And then Tigurius, obviously, also Bana Hakim. Tigurius, during this meeting, uh, one, choose the fuck out of Ian Carfax and the Tremere for their whole, like, doing a curse on them thing, which is, like, it's such a, just, like, a girl. <laughs> girl the T. Like, the first time I read it, I had to set the book down. I was just like, girl, what? <laughs> this this fucking sass master. Holy shit. Yeah, so he, he chews the fuck out of the Tremere and then proposes uh, having the Banu Hakim join the Camarilla, and this meeting happens sometime between... 1998 and 2005. That's kind of when Beckett's is floating around. So, uh, that is an interesting thing. I do want to have the small note of, uh, within the text, uh, uh, fucking my brain. I am so tired. I'm so sorry. But yeah, so Ian Danza, the Justicar, is noted as not being favorable to Anarchs before Prague, but she is sending agents to form alliances with the Anarch Free States and is also seeking out the La Sombra anti-tribute in the Caribbean. In Beckett's Jihad, so before 2005. Hmm. So she, as the acting Toreador Justicar, ah. is moving some pieces around. Yeah. Just so doing some little sneaky things. Might be leading up to some of this V5 plot. Yeah, which those who remember from the La Sombra episode, La Sombra and Tribute are the ones that are like chill with the Camarilla because they have that code of honor thing. Right. So might have been might have been throwing out some seeds. <laughs> Seeing what sticks. Um, and it is also noted that... Uh, uh, this Jessicar is also known as a Jocastian. Jocastian. I like it. Yeah, Jocastian. Uh, which comes from the name of uh the mother of Oedipus, Jocasta. That oh. is that is the historical context of this name. Jocastians 
are a small nodist cult that seek to find true vampiric history. They act in opposition to another group of uh, nodists that also seek to find secret vampiric history. Uh, one of the members of the Jocastians is uh, the one who published the famous copy of the Book of Nod that we all have access to as players that was put together by Aristotle de Laurent, the adoptive sire of Beckett. Huh. So not the original sire, but the guy who the guy raised who, him. The basically. guy that just like picked him up by the scruff of the neck and went, you, I like you. <laughs> the Malkavian who picked up the gang girl and went, you're cool. Hell Let's yeah. go read. Let's go read. I like <laughs> books. You like books? Let's go inside. <laughs> <laughs> so uh this came up because uh aristotle in the beckett's jihad diary has sent a very angry note about how uh fucking idanza uh had come to one of his libraries and was asking to research some books along with a gentleman from the bana hakim known as marsus ibn sharbel who is a sorcerer from the bana hakim so indanza and marsiris go to aristotle and like hey we're doing some research. Can we look through your library? And he's like, yeah, come on in. I will be a good host. And Ian Donza uh, raided the library and took some shit and left notes and just kind of fucked up his library. And Aristotle just wrote a very angry note about it, <laughs> which I'm like, okay. So the Justicar pre-2005 for the Toreador is dicking around with powerful sorcerers from the Bana Hakim and is like stealing text and moving pieces around. And the... Leader of the Bana Hakim, like the chill ones at least. Tigurius is like, hey, by the way, we would like to seek a, a, an alliance with the Camarilla. And then, magically, to seal this alliance, the Bana Hakim and the Toreador are joining up. That's weird. That's weird. It's strange how that all just lined the fuck up. Weird. <laughs> mm. Week, week-long plots i don't week this long couldn't plots. have been a toreador thing no no only plan like a week or a month at a time come on right i'm um, just like they're not doing like weird little chess moves and just <laughs> no way all sorts of shit but yeah just fucking going down that rabbit hole being like what so the justicar of the toreador is part of this not as cult that works against the cult that beckett is part of and they're working against each other to get secret knowledge of the antediluvians <laughs> It's crazy. And this Great. was not mentioned in just flat out in the V5 books. I had to put some pieces together from the old books to figure the shit the fuck out. And it's not on the wiki. There is <laughs> nothing on the wiki. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm gonna, at this rate, I'm going to have to make a profile on the White Wolf wiki to edit this shit in. Because God damn it, you guys, I did this with the power of control F. And then we can quote our own podcast. We can quote yeah. our own podcast. Yes. So that was the Justicar. We have Carmelita Nielsen. Uh, she is an archaeologist uh, with a focus in finding and recording vampiric history. She is surprisingly pleasant and is also like Brazilian Irish. So, you know, representation. Woo. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, she has a series of archives known as Nielsen libraries because the Camry is like, we don't like phones. We don't like the internet. You can't publish things in PDFs. And she's like, fuck. Fine. I guess I'll just make libraries then, you assholes. <laughs> She makes like kindred libraries for yeah for kindred to have like their secret knowledge and that's cool and just trying to like preserve history and apparently a lot of elders that are like hey so I'm feeling this thing that's making me want to go east what the fuck and she's like here's some books just read up on just it just read it just read, read it. 
Yeah. So that could be like almost a lore sheet, just having access. It to is a, literally it on is the on, lore sheet. Oh, is it? It then? is. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Carmelita Nielsen has her uh, own lore sheet where you can gain access to uh, knowledge, secrets, libraries, and become a guard of a Methuselah. Oh. That's the five dot. One of the libraries just has do a Methuselah you, in it, you, and now you're in charge. Do you really want that? That's a really expensive that job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, you have to pay that much to get that job. <laughs> That's like when my friend was about to do training with this plumbing company. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we'll pay for a year school for the next three years. We'll train you, all this. And, this, and all you have to do is buy a $200,000 work truck up front. Yep. So, I mean, some people, like, there's there are people like me that like having the plot hurt them. So if yeah. you're into that, yeah. if you want to have a whole Indiana Jones and the Last Crusader like vampire game, this lore sheet's great for that. Um, if you want to actually read stuff from this character, uh, she is the one interviewing the old uh, uh, Toreador in the clan book revised to get all of the ancient history. And she has notes that she's writing to one of her friends where she's just like, God, this lady is not picking up on like modern times and is kind of like just kind of a bitch. <laughs> she's kind of racist guys like i don't i don't know how i'm i'm supposed to take i i agreed to take her to paris and i'm like i can't because she doesn't speak modern french <laughs> and she's probably gonna and in my brain it is if i was carmelita she's like yeah and if anybody has more melanin than me she's gonna shit a brick because she can't handle that a moor might come and say hi to her like you know that kind of shit hilarious <laughs> so if you want to make fun of like dumb ancient racism this is a good I was like, this is bad. Yeah, it is. Don't these people should look silly and dumb because mm-hmm. they are. Anyways, Carbolita Nielsen, cool as fuck. Uh, there's also Helena. Uh, she goes by Portia sometimes. She is an ancient Methuselah from uh, Greece. She is a fourth gen. Now. Now. Today. Tonight. Uh, she has a long-standing feud with the Bruja Methuselah Menele. Uh, going back to her betrayal of Carthage. That's some old. Tea. That is some. That is some old fucking tea. It's a old tea, but it's powerful tea. Uh, she's supposedly active in and around the Chicago area and is somehow avoiding the beckoning. Hmm, I wonder how she did that. Yeah, I wonder. Moving on, we have Victoria Ash. Um, oh, we're not moving on. She has a, another, uh, she has a bit of a reputation too, because I, I specifically said fourth gen now. Mm, yes. Because she hasn't always been fourth gen. No, she was fifth. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody ate, she had a snack. Yeah, there's a really spooky section of Beckett's Jihad Diary where Beckett runs into her and she eats part of him. What? What? She eats part of Beckett. Oh. Part of him. And he's kind of chill with it because that's how presence works. Yeah. When you're that old in power, it's fucked. Yeah, I don't like that. It's very spooky. It's very good horror writing. She's, she's a scary lady. She's scary. <laughs> she's a really scary Ooh. lady. Good example of a Toreador who has um, not succumbed all the way, but... Not doing great. Kind of skipped a little bit down the path of fuck humanity. I don't need that. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good example of like, hey, uh, our brains, the hardware that vampires are running on, our brains are only meant to hold like maybe a century's worth of info. And if you go beyond that, sometimes you get a little unhinged. Just a bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little, like as a treat. As a treat. (laughs) Speaking of a treat, we have Victoria Ash. Uh, she was born in 1600s France and was a sex worker who followed around the French army until she caught the attention of Prince Louis II and then her sire. Oh. Because he's like, ah, I see what you're doing, girl. You want to get better at it? (laughs) Okay, I like that. And yeah, so I was like, she girl bossed and then has continued to girl boss. Nice. Uh, she was at one point the Prince of Atlanta, Georgia. 
She is currently blood married to Tagirius as part of the union between the Camry and the Ashira. So she's not the Jessicar of the Torador, but she's like a massively massive important figurehead. Like she was already kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, oh, she's the, she's the, 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 the one, one of the biggest roses right now. Cause she's got like the hottest of tea. Right. Cause you know, pro- there's a lot of Torador that are just like one, the wedding. Oh my God, the wedding. And then people are probably Top just being years. like, so, hey, so I got some questions about Tigerius. Okay, can we have girls night? I have questions. I have questions, girls. You got to share. <laughs> she She's also a former prince. Yes. Uh, in the small club of former princes who are still alive yeah. after being a prince. Yeah. yeah. You don't often get to be a prince and then be not prince and then just still be kicking around. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Victoria Ash is often held up as the poster child of the clan. She does a lot of, she is featured in a lot of the main like Toreador like character art from uh, the line. So if you've seen a picture of a Toreador more times than not, it's probably her. And she has a lore sheet that lets you gain access to an invitation to the Vermilion wedding. You Girl, you could have been there if you want to. That'd be cool to run too. Yeah, that would be such a cool thing. Where you just, uh, like, give all your players, like, invitations. you get an invitation. Yep. Yeah, no, it'd be cool as fuck. Some of them are like, why did I get an invitation? I'm, I'm kind of having to deal with that a little bit in one of my my games because I'm playing a Bono and it's, like, right before the wedding. And so now I'm having to deal with the politics of, like, oh, fuck, do I have to go? Am I being sent an invitation? I don't want to go to Tehran. I just like the idea of, like, someone who's, like, a gangrel mm-hmm. or, like, a Malkavian or, like, a Bruja. Someone who's, like, completely uninvolved and they get a wedding and they're like, is this a trap? Or are they just, like, letting us know? Yeah, right. Like, is this a flex or are they genuinely? Yeah, and I'm also just being like, do I have to have a plus one? Oh, God, who's my plus one? Oh, God, because that gives a whole other political game of, like, who's my plus one? Fuck. <laughs> it's a whole thing. But yeah, so with uh, the Victoria Astor sheet, you could have access to the Vermilion Wedding, uh, you could get social buffs, and you could also have her as a Maula. That's a cool Maula. That's cool. Yeah. Um, there's also Nellie G of LA by Night, uh, who does an exemplary job of if you want to watch a live play and see a Toreador that actually can play the political game well. Mm-hmm. She does a great job. Oh, yeah. Hell the fuck, yeah. Uh, lore sheets. There's only one clan-specific lore sheet I had found, which was Descendant of Helena. Uh, this will give you bonuses to craft, influence, and even become a manager of the world's infamous succubus club in Chicago. Damn. Yeah. So there's some cool shit in there. There's not a lot of, yeah, there's literally just the one Toreador specific lore sheet, but a lot of, there are a lot of lore sheets that involve Toreador or there are arts and crafts related lore sheets, like kindred iconography. There's ones for like social media. If you want to be a vampire doing things on the internet and get bonuses for it, yeah, like social influencer. So there's tons of shit you can look into, but that's, that's where we're at. So final thoughts. Holy shit. There was a lot. Holy shit. Sorry guys. That took, this episode took me 16 hours of reading and research and editing to parse it down into this nugget that I gave you. There was so much other shit that I was just like, this is really cool. This is fascinating. But do I really need this for the timeline? This is like every clan deep dive, though, where it's like we have at least five topics we touch. And then mm-hmm. we're like, well, but that could be an episode. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, God, we could definitely do a vermilion wedding. Mm-hmm. We barely even touched on the um, Toreador Bruja War. Mm hmm. Yeah, I was kind of trying to leave the Carthage thing to the Bruja episode because that that's just sense. such a pivotal so thing. so sad about it. Uh, we are sad about it, <laughs> bitch. I definitely want to do a you first... You fucked up! <laughs> I definitely want to do a first Inquisition episode. Yeah. Once we get past the corn tub. 
Corntub. And, and I'm wrapping up getting ready for, to do W5 episode. Maybe after that I can yeah. jump back to that. And, you know, blood sigils. Guys, I'm spinning so many plates. Much like a Torador, I'm spinning so many plates. <sighs> I feel like I got the experience and I just need to lay down. You probably should just lay down <laughs> for a little bit. Should. So while go, I'm go laying down, well, while I'm laying down, guys, what are, what are, guys, what are your thoughts on on the clan while I'm laying down. Toreador has been weird for me because for a while I was like, that's kind of boring. It's very much like, okay, I can play Lestat, neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but then over the past, like, I don't know, four-ish years, four or five years, I've been thinking like, yeah, they're kind of cooler. Oh, they're kind of cooler. And then mm-hmm. I was playing Ken and I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, it clicked. I get it. And then now we're doing this and I'm like, no, that all makes sense. I like it. It, it falls in line correctly. It, uh, it feels good. So they're a lot more interesting and deep than they are when you just look at them, Mm -hmm. which part of me feels like is on purpose with the clan. Yeah. Because, you know, if you can just hide behind the pretty face and... Yeah, that's like one of the notes with Carmelita Nielsen I like is like she's actively trying to be like, no, the Torador are more than just being hot. Yeah. I work really hard to be a scholar. (laughs) I pack bonded with this NPC because I was like, girl brain cell we're sharing it (laughs) fucking same i think that also makes sense though because we're coming out of a time period where like we said they're just the increase in technology is splitting their focus in so many ways Mm -hmm. that i could see a couple of them being like no like we have to remember what we used to do Mm -hmm. and then but they're like yeah but i there's this app where you can uh get free things to upcycle into art Mm -hmm. that i found (laughs) <laughs> and so I'm spending my night going to go pick up like half an old bicycle and <laughs> the amount of Toradora on Depop. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And then just, you know, the existential dread of being a creator and consumer of art and beauty on the Internet. Just uh... mm-hmm. I thought I don't have to deal with that. Little bit of everything. <laughs> Anyways, I like Toradora. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. You can do a lot with them. I, I think Toreadors suffer from that problem of kind of like the Ventrue where they're seen as like a basic vampire. So people don't inherently seem interested in it. Mm-hmm. But you, there's also a lot of room to play with. So you're spoiled for choice. People are just like, I don't I don't know what to do. I don't uh, fuck. So they yeah. just don't. And I'm like, but you can you can just go ham. Yeah, I think one thing that got me more into venture that i think could also help with toreador mm-hmm. with venture was like so what's what's the one thing they care about that's not like money or power directly mm-hmm. and i think you kind of do the same thing and like what's the one thing that they care about that's not about like social clout mm-hmm. like what is their art what is what do they find beautiful yeah mm-hmm. what are the who are their special people like we talked about last episode mm-hmm. um and are they the scheming type or are they the more genuine like i just want to create and enjoy creation and build culture around that or they're like i'm building culture so that uh i can steal power from that gangrel over there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and the big thing with Torador, I've noticed uh, they go through cycles, almost like, you know, plants go through them like seed to grow, to bloom, to die. Mm-hmm. So Torador also seemed to do that a lot. So, you know, making a character that's like, okay, cool, I've been through a slump, but I have found a new thing. Or they've like, you know, kind of gone too far in the paint on like their humanity spiral. And now they're just like, oh, fuck. Well, I found this like coffee shop person I like. And maybe now I can be like, oh, shit, I've been a bastard man. Hold on. I got to. I gotta, they won't I gotta hang cycle out back. with me if they find out that I skin people. Yeah, no. I that's, gotta stop. <laughs> that's very not cash money of me. Right. <laughs> so, 
Yay! Yeah, I think that having uh, playing a if if you are interested in playing a a story that is very like you are tied to your humanity and regardless of which direction you go and like you want to have that like emotional side of it, Toreador's probably hell yeah a real good bet. Yeah, if you want the emotional damage, because you know they actually feel things unlike yeah. other vampires. It's like Carl that kills people. <laughs> Looking at you, Lasombra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I own, I'm still upset that I'm like, that's the clan that would go out of their way to choose me. And I'm upset. I don't like it. <laughs> but I understand. I'm like, you yep, know, I get it. Good stuff. I would just get picked up by a Torridor by mistake. <laughs> well, Sombra would be pissed about it. Like, yeah, God just, damn it. I was working on that one. I've been fucking with her for 10 years. <laughs> I've been working on this project. And then you just showed up and just went, ah, that one's Rubenesque. <laughs> and that was it. That was the only thought in your head. It was like, so yeah, I'm going back through this pre-Raphaelite phase and like, you know, th this one like ticked a lot of boxes for me. So I just kind of went for it. That's another thing that I actually think that we touched on a little bit more than I realized with Toreador is their like fleetiness mm -hmm. of like, I'm really into this thing. I don't care. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Yeah. 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 Because that should be horrifying of just like, even having a Toreador as an NPC uh, that was like, hey, I'm really into this. And then they just don't care. And then the players, this, the Toreador childer that's just like but but i was the favorite fuck how do i how do i do things i don't know how to file taxes right yeah <laughs> how do i live what help or isn't just like a, a same level npc where like the you know their party is trying to uh, gain favor with them mm -hmm. so they go out of their way to make some art for them as a gift and they come back with it and they're like oh no i haven't been into that art for like three weeks now mm -hmm. i guess you can go put it in the closet <laughs> just done these gorgeous creations of right. like technical masterpiece and they're just like i i'm That's doing this I mean, now like, i understand the marble is like really well polished it's almost like shiny and all it's 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 pretty so anyway and they you know turn to the person who's now their new affection mm -hmm. they just work on macrame <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh a celerity with macrame Get so much it done. Get so much done. Macrame <sighs> a house. I almost wonder, though, if a lot of Toreadors, like, wouldn't use, like, their powers to do stuff like that. Like, it's got to be genuine. Oh, like, for sure. I'm sure a lot and, like... would be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, did you, use your, did you use your powers on that? If you have forever, why not? It's like, look, you cheated on your performance by using presents. It wasn't genuine. <laughs> that wasn't a real crowd reaction. You fucking cheated. You goddamn poser. You I could, piece of shit. I could definitely oh. see that being kind of like a... Oh, yeah. Like, you you pass that role, and you're, but you felt something, and you're like, oh, that fucker. That son of a bitch. <laughs> you're not actually good at playing music. You made me feel my feelings instead of making me feel my feelings. <laughs> you fucking bitch. You dick. <sighs> I've got a feud with you now. Whereas if it was a non-Torador, they'd be like, they have to. That's just, <laughs> that's what they have to do. I understand. <laughs> I love Petty Hunter so much. <laughs> Petty Hunter is a great mode. <laughs> okay, I think we need to try a new escape. So, uh, thank you, Paralyze. Yeah, thank you. For you music. did our song. It did. It is, they are on a band camp. They do cool things. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of supporting the arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah get up there get give them some dollars give buy them, their songs yes do the things uh we are trying to do things kind of on twitter um blank underscore bodies uh we also have a blue sky now yeah at blank bodies yes the 
blue sky, whatever the fuck. Just, yeah. just literally just search blank bodies. We show up. Yeah, we're the first result. Uh, there's also Instagram, which Skipper has been taking over. Kind of. Kind I mean, of. he posts probably still more than I do, but I've posted some stuff. Yeah. That uh, you can't guess what I posted. <laughs> but it's uh, Blank Bodies Pod, uh, Tumblr, Blank Bodies Pod. Uh, we're not good at being Tumblr girls. Um, yeah, it's mostly the Twitter and the Instagram, I would say, are big ones. We're trying to get into Blue Sky, but I feel like Blue Sky is still enough in its infancy Mm-hmm. that like it's rolling there's not a lot of people on there yet yeah we're trying uh we also have a tiktok uh blank bodies podcast i have been posting i i have a story time on there about the corn tub saga there will be updates as we get closer to uh fruition and whatnot uh and if you have any questions about game plot lore feel free to at us there and we will try to respond okay the tub has been ordered the tub has been ordered i ordered the tub i ordered some staging equipment Yes. Last week we got some cameras. Yeah, we we are doing our production, which was facilitated by listeners like you through Patreon. Thank you. We're... Wow, we just turned into NPR for a second. I know. <laughs> we had we had our PBS moment. We had yeah. the PBS moment. Uh, well, the, again, thank you all for your support. If you wish to support us, uh, we have various tiers that let you have Discord tiers on our free Discord and gets access to some of our Patreon corners where we ask for help and sometimes organize some things. Uh, there's also voting polls to help us like organize and run the show. And we got stuff for illustrations, show notes, uh, so on and so forth. If you're doing cool things in the creation space of goth and horror and gaming, any of those functions, feel free to talk to us. We if would you're love a vampire, to. Yes. If you're a real life vampire, do it. You can just like, you could DM me. You could slide into the DMs. You could slide into the DMs. You, you don't have to make it a big production. Yeah, you can call him on his cell phone. You can call me on my cell phone. Call me, beat me, if you want to reach me. But we also have the Gmail, uh, blankbodies at Gmail, if you want to organize, interview, or have other uh, collaboration talks you wish to have. Yeah, we'll have a fun interview next week. Yes. Um, and we didn't mention it at the beginning, so I think now is a big time to mention with all our patron stuff. We are doing our patron October giveaway. Mm-hmm. So that is in full effect. We are giving away a uh, copy of W5. We're giving away Dice Coffin uh, There's with a set of vampire die in it. Mm-hmm. We've got some stickers and uh, official Blank Bodies t-shirt. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing some organizing around the house, and I may have found a very special uh item to give away this giveaway is for our patrons Mm -hmm. and uh, we're gonna do the drawing during the corn tub stream yeah so check that shit out anybody who is a part of the patron at any tier before the end of the month you got till halloween let's giggity go get go i think i might have found also a thing to donate Ooh, a couple of things to donate they will be revealed in the social medias Ooh, we're trying we're trying guys we're trying we're trying to (laughs) figure out how to internet not good at it. No, we're not good at self parmo. But uh I think we've done it. Goodbye. Goodbye. See ya, dude. <laughs> I can I can die now. Uh.